4: CNN's ratings are down 90%. Wow. That's bad. You know, a lot of people like to rag on CNN and MSNBC saying, look how, look, look, their ratings are going down. That proves everyone hates them. And I often would say something like, yeah, but let's be real. Like after an election year, everybody's ratings take a big drop. And, um, you know, I, I'd like to point out, like even our views went down, you know, during in, in 2020, it was crazy. We had like 150,000 people watching on a, on an episode talking about politics and uh, I try to make sure we're being, you know, fair and reasonable when we mock mainstream and corporate press. But now I think it's fair to actually point out their ratings are abysmal. They can't, they're, they're, CNN's getting like 73,000 viewers in the key demo, prime time. We get half a million on, on YouTube. And we're just some like internet yokels complaining to cameras. <laughs> that hey, That's fantastic. CNN, they're on the way out. The narrative is busted. It's not working anymore, and we're going to have a really good time ragging on the press. We've also got a bunch of crazy news. Apparently, Ronald McDonald House is kicking out kids because they're not vaccinated. we got this crazy report from Bloomberg. EU regulators saying that vaccines, the booster shots, too many, can actually cause problems for the immune system, similar to what we saw from the New York Times. So as always, we say, make sure you talk to a medical professional. Don't take anything we say as advice. But that's a crazy report to come from Bloomberg. And then a similar report come from the New York Times. So we're gonna talk all about this. Joining us today is Bhatia Unger Sargon. No relation to Sargon of Akkad. That we know of. That that we know of. Yeah, Yeah. sure. Uh, Do you want to introduce yourself?
5: Sure, yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here with all of you guys. I'm a big, big fan of Tim's. So I'm really excited to be here. My name is Batya Unger-Sargon. I'm the deputy opinion editor of Newsweek and the author of a book called Bad News, How Woke Media is Undermining Democracy, that I'm sure we're going to get into. And just thrilled to be here.
4: It's perfect, too, because you know we get this report on CNN collapsing and we have you booked at the same time. It's just very often we get yeah. guests that just it's align perfect. with these stories. We got Luke hanging out.
6: I say it's 10% too little. I think we need 100% ratings to go down <laughs> at CNN, but that's just my own personal perspective. <laughs> and if you're looking for a synopsis of what actually happened during the last two years, I, I do believe the shirt that I'm wearing uh, takes the cake for it. As it says, Fauci lied, people died. And if you want to spread this wonderful message of truth, you can on TheBestPoliticalShirts.com, and because you do, I'm here. I'm excited for this conversation. It should be fun. Thanks for coming.
2: Well, hello, everyone. Ian Crossland here, burning the midnight oil, building free software with an amazing team of developers, and um, I usually start my day around 7 and end it around 5 a.m. It's been really intense, and I'm happy to be here. We, could see, we could see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you,
1: And I am also here in the corner pushing buttons. I'm delighted to have this author. She's also a second child, which I highly value. Second <laughs> children are underrated. We're the best in the world. What can I say? Ain't Yeah, I'm excited for tonight. It'll be a great conversation.
4: (laughs) Don't forget, go to TimCast.com. You can support our work work directly. As a member, you are helping to employ all of our journalists, our fact checkers, and you will also get access to exclusive members-only segments of the TimCast IRL podcast. We will have one of those members-only podcasts up around 11 or so p.m. And we got some really nasty stories that's like YouTube does not appreciate so this is, this is where we we, we call it you know, the uncensored because we talk about very adult issues. We often swear a whole lot. And this show, we try to keep it fr- family friendly. So if you want to get the un- unfamily friendly version, go to timcast.com, become a member, help support our work. But now let's get into that news. Here's the story from the Daily Mail. Tuning out viewership at scandal plagued CNN plummets by as much as 90% from last year in both overall audience and in their advertiser coveted. 25 to 54 demographic. This, I'm, I'm I'm smiling right now, or I'm I'm holding back laughing to be honest. Mm. They say the network averaged just and forty eight thousand viewers during the week of January 3rd, a precipitous drop from the nearly 2.7 million viewers from the same week in 2021. CNN in the last year has been plagued by high-profile scandals. Critics have slammed network's network boss Jeff Zucker over the declining ratings. Is where it gets crazy. Let me let me let me read this. Where's that Where's that good number? I want to see. Here we go. CNN saw an eighty six percent decline in the much desirable twenty five to fifty four demo, with a paltry 113,000 uh, 113, tuned in last week compared to the eight hundred twenty two thousand CNN averaged a year ago. Wow. If you want to understand understand how bad that is, you can just look at our videos, and they'll have three hundred fifty to five hundred thousand views. That doesn't show you the live viewer count on these shows, which is often around 250,000 people who watch live. I don't, YouTube does this weird system where they're separated and there's different analytics for the live stream versus the the people watching the VOD version. But I will just tell you, our audience is like 90% key demographic. So if we're getting half a million people per night and CNN's getting none, well, I guess it's good news. The narrative is breaking. The matrix is shattering. People are starting to, to get away from corporate press BS. And while that sounds really good, I still have to point out CNN gets propped up on YouTube and still gets 100 million views per month yeah, on this YouTube. This
2: also is a little, you know, an extreme title. They say as much as 90% because they're talking about an election year. Oh, two no, weeks. No, 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 they're not. They're talking about
4: 2021. But they're not, re, uh,
2: they're comparing it to 2020 after no, the election. They're com- uh, oh, they're right, com- right, right, right. So like that was a hot news period mm-hmm. those few weeks before January 20th, you know.
4: So to compare it to that oh, specific no, 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 day Oh no, no 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 I'm sorry I'm sorry I got to correct you sorry It is this week being compared to 2021 So it is fair to say oh, yeah. January of 2021
2: God, was a COVID big news. COVID has warped my mind, mm-hmm. dude. I thought the election was <laughs> last <laughs> yeah, year.
1: Yeah, it's crazy.
2: Wait, <laughs> be you've been sleeping wait, wait. Biden's been president for two years? Tell me that this no, is one, not no, right. One yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Biden came in 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. I'm out of a time
1: warp. <laughs> yeah, a year okay, and a half. Okay, so up. yeah. That, you, that you week.
6: Need, <laughs> you need to change your sleeping habits. <laughs> that's, that's another story. <laughs> you might be right. But who would have thought, you know, watching the deep state television is not popular. Who Who would have thunk it? And again, we also have to understand that overall, uh you know when it comes to cable television their viewership has been going down dramatically but I don't think CNN has been doing themselves any favors especially with their lineups especially with their scandals especially with Lubin Tubin the <laughs> Vanderbilt creepy Como and and telling people not to read the WikiLeaks because it was illegal telling people that that there was definitely Russian collusion obsessing about Donald Trump non-stop when he had two scoops of ice cream I mean come on I I can't believe this is not surprising that They lost 90% of their viewership. I'm surprised they didn't lose all of their viewership, to be completely honest with you, from
4: from what I've been seeing. They no longer have the airport contract, but they're still in hotels.
1: Oh, yeah. So it won't
4: be zero.
2: I I haven't read your book yet, but in the book, did you follow CNN at all and go deep on them?
5: Yeah, the book opens with a scene at CNN uh, with Don Lemon and Kirsten Powers, and they're sitting there talking about – um, how Donald Trump winning is proof of the enduring and unabated white supremacy in uh-huh. America. And, you know, they're sitting there, these two people who are worth, you know, $10 million and $25 million a piece, and sneering and looking down their nose at a president's supporters, a president who won 67% of whites without a college degree, right? And to me, that was sort of the opening primal scene, because I think a lot of what we're seeing here, it looks like it's about politics. It sometimes looks like it's about race, but actually it's about class.
4: Can you can you uh, say the name of your book one more time for people who are just sure, yeah. tuning in?
5: It's called, I don't know why I can't say it without doing this, bad news how woke (laughs) media is undermining democracy yes (laughs) yes um yeah Yeah. and basically what happened over the course of the 20th century was journalism went from being a blue-collar job to being the provenance of you know the most highly educated very affluent top 10 percent elites and tim i think you represent what journalism used to be like the fathers of american journalism they were populist they were guys who dropped out of high school or didn't go to high school working-class guys who had to really struggle who then went out to the people to report and crucially felt a deep sense of responsibility to those people to to be responsive to them to give them what they were asking for and to treat them with respect and that's been your career in journalism and that's the opposite of what we see in places like cnn in the New York Times i just I disagree
6: with you because I would say you know a Vanderbilt anderson Cooper definitely has more <laughs> of a sense of reality and more of a humble <laughs> To him than any of other peasants out there, and clearly his his upbringing, you know, his his affluence has brought him to be more knowledgeable and more special than all of us. Yeah. But I, I wonder if it's not so much about uh, upbringing or anything.
4: Luke, Luke, and I have had very different, actually, maybe even sort of similar, you know, in some ways. Luke coming from Poland, a, a family that dealt with the Soviet era communist stuff mm-hmm. in, in Poland, and coming to the United States, and it, it is populism. I think it's also. I I want to be left alone, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want I don't want anyone to be my boss. I don't want to have a boss. I don't want to be anyone's boss. And, and here we are somehow of a company with employees. But uh, my attitude towards the news is I'll just tell you and you do your thing. Because I, I look at it this way: if I got a neighbor, I don't want to be micromanaging and dealing with all of his problems. I want to be able to be like a guy. The reason why you've got this problem here with this you know sewage leak is because you did these things. Fix it and leave me alone. Whereas you've got a lot of people who seem to think these journalists particularly and, and, and these, the, the establishment, uh, political class, let me just be in control of everyone's lives. So I, so it, you know, it's easier that way. Like, you know, Bloomberg wants to put a tax on sugary drinks so that you can't buy them. I don't have anything to do it. If you want to drink sugar drinks, you go ahead and do it. I don't care. I'll tell you it's bad for you. And then you can do whatever you want. So I think that right there, there's there's a meme where it shows a bunch of people and they're all yelling and then it shows someone at a podium and the journalist has got us back to the podium and he's bullhorning at the crowd, repeating what the podium says. And then it says the way journal, and it's like, that's how journalism is, how it's supposed to be, is the guy with the bullhorn standing in front of the people yelling at the guy with the podium. That's the way I kind of see it. um... But
5: what you're describing is contempt, right? My book is about contempt. It's about how the media, which is supposed to be on the side of the little guy fighting for the little guy against the guy at the podium, right, became on the side of the guy – at the podium because they go to the same schools as millionaires and billionaires and they live in the same neighborhoods as people at the top of the food chain and politicians and their kids go to the same schools as all these other elites. They are now on the side of power and they have immense amounts of contempt for the working class just dripping off of them.
4: I got to say it. My favorite moments of the Donald Trump election cycle in in 2015 was when he ordered that 30 day -day dry aged steak well done with ketchup. (laughs) And I could see it the moment he did it, regular working class, middle Americans, whatever. They go to the grocery store. They can't afford filet mignon. So they get a T-bone. They cook it through and put ketchup on it because that's the way to make it taste better. Trump knows this. And he was trying to have these people look at him and be like, that's how I do it. And the media laughed and they mocked him and talked about how how stupid and uncouth he was. And it just made regular people hate the media. They're like, you're not making fun of him, you're making fun of me. I'm poor. I can't afford your expensive trash with your fancy garlic and volcanic salt, wagyu beef or whatever yeah, like yeah, we yeah. had. Yeah.
6: <laughs> I mean, the way I say it, maybe you would, you would see it a little bit differently, but I kind of want to ping off your perspective because being in the digital world, being at some of these events, I see two class of journalists. There's one class that's kind of drug addicted with substance abuse problems and another class that's the kind of snobby limousine liberals that think that they're better and know better what's for everyone everyone else I, I don't see a distinction and very rarely do I see anyone kind of in the middle of that or anyone outside of those two categories. Would you agree or disagree?
5: Well, I'll just give you some statistics. So, ninety-two percent of journalists in America today have a college degree, mm. which is obscene because you can't teach journalism. You know, like yeah. you can't teach someone to do what you do—to be a good listener, to ask the right questions, to question your own biases, to be willing to be wrong.
4: You—you you can. Well, they're not when they're three years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a person learns a lot of these skills when they're very young. That's
5: true. Yeah. Mm.
4: So you take someone who's you know been brought up in a in a family that's well off. Maybe got help at their at their you know New York condominium. Put them in college and then think they're going to be able to listen. and It's not going to
2: happen. I went to college for journalism for a year, uh, then switched over to theater. But in the journalism thing, I got an opportunity to do my college uh, TV sh- station. I did like sports for the TV station mm-hmm. and special reporting, and I also learned how to copyright, copy edit. That was so they were teaching me structure, but not ethics. There right. no mention ever right. of ethics,
5: right? So 92% have a college degree. The majority have a graduate degree, which is a purely vanity degree that costs $70,000. To become a journalist in America today, you have to be able to take a starting salary of $30,000 a year. But 75% of those jobs are on the coast in the most expensive American cities, which means you have to come from money, essentially. Like everyone you see on your TV, everyone you read in the New York Times, these people come from money. They are overeducated and they look down on you. And I think that's what we're seeing is the American people are too smart for this garbage. They are too and they're tuning it out. I love it Thank so
4: you. much. Uh, I grew up in a uh, you know rough and tumble kind of yeah. neighborhood in life. Luke had his you know South Bronx and and pulling all that stuff. So I think they're, Brooklyn, they're made, South Brooklyn. So, yeah, sorry, Brooklyn, not Bronx. <laughs> um, so I, I think there's certainly something to like witnessing real life and hardship. I I have contempt for the elites who think they're smarter and better than everyone else when they're just people. I know a lot of people and I've met a lot of people in my life who are wealthy and humble and libertarian and mm-hmm. be like, I'm never gonna try and look, I, mm-hmm. I've got, you know, thing going for me. I'm gonna let you do your thing because I don't want to press and I respect that. But there are a lot of people who are like, well, my family knows better and I'm better. And there's nothing more satisfying than to see snooty elites with their fancy degrees who think they're smarter and better than everyone Fail when they try <laughs> to go into these news organizations to tell people how to live what to do, why they 're smarter than you, and then they can 't figure out why they 're laden with debt, why they 're struggling to find work, but they still think they 're smarter and you know what? I just sit back and say, if you weren 't such an asshole, maybe I 'd have some sympathy for you and to all and, and to all of the people i 've met who've got college degrees because they were told to do it and got massive student debt and are nice and realistic and willing to listen. I have nothing but respect for them. But there is this class of people that enters media where they just, the the way they prove themselves is to get a job in the media so that they can be given access to a platform that they don't deserve, that they've not proven with merit, and then yell at you and talk about how much better they are than you and how you're a bigot and you're racist Mm -hmm. and you voted for Donald Trump. Well, certainly you're a white supremacist. When in reality, it's probably some dude who's like, I lost my job. Mm -hmm. My kids need food. Donald Trump says he's going to bring my factory back. And that was it. And they they don't want to listen to those people. They're just stupid. Learn to code. Why don't you learn to code? And then when you speak up and say, why don't you learn to code? When they lose their jobs, Twitter bans you for it. Yeah. I can't stand these people. They're, they're elites. They're pompous. They think they're better than everybody.
5: So let me ask you this. Maybe you don't want to answer this, but when you got to Vice, were you suddenly surrounded by exactly that type of person? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Mostly. Uh, in 2013... So, so i i actually met the vice people in 2011 after Occupy, mm-hmm. and it was vice was a hole in the wall man they apparently like took over an old skate shop or something i don't know the, the history of that building it was cool and that's why i liked them and that's why when i started saying okay now i'm going to take my skills and bring it to actual news i went to vice because it was punk rock mm-hmm. they were they were edgy they were nonpartisan. partisan the CEO of Vice went on Colbert and he was like, "Look, we don't, we don't, demo, we're not Democrat, we're not Republican, we're just storytellers. We're here to talk about what we see." And I was like, "Thank you. I don't care about this stuff." But when I get in, I, I got in around the time it started turning into that, mm-hmm. and it's because they got money. Uh, Murdoch came in, he gave him seventy million dollars. Then I watched one by one the core crew of Vice get fired abruptly and replaced with a New York media establishment you know, individual, fresh out of college with the Rolodex. Some people went on, I'm going to go work for Bloomberg or they came from Bloomberg. And then all of a sudden things just started changing. And I was just like, "Eh." it's not the scrappy, edgy hole in the wall in Williamsburg. Williamsburg was a dirt hole in New York. It's probably why they set up there. It was cheaper to be in New York and it was cheap. Well, they helped gentrify the area. They bring in all this hipster youth. And then all of a sudden it's virtue signaling hipsters who think they're smarter than you. And they know it. So mm. I left and for, I, I went to a Disney company and uh, not better. Hmm. Yeah. So they, they promised it wasn't going to be woke. They were like, we're going to be nice vice. We're going to be like real. You know, uh, Fusion had a show about drug wars. It was actually called Drug Wars. And they tracked like federales and, and government agents going after the cartels and stuff. And I was like, wow, that's cool stuff. And then within six, eight months, they were like new editor in chief. We're going woke everything we're gonna do is gonna be about wokeness and i'm like what year was that 2014 yeah that tracks well so in 2014 is when i started and then it was mid 2015 early to mid 2015 where they were like they 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 what i think happened was they had one video about a transgender child that got a huge it got a huge it was a huge hit it got them like a hundred thousand views and that was one of their first videos that actually got traffic Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they were like that's it that's what young people want what I absolutely love about this is when you have these middle-aged marketing white dudes <laughs> who don't know anything about what's going on. And so they were asked, like, what's 2016 going to look like for Fusion? <laughs> and the guy goes, gender. <laughs> and they're like, and what does that mean? He goes, we're just going to be heavily focused on gender. <sighs> no, no, seriously.
5: Oh, and people
4: were like, I, I I, don't know what that means. Do you know what you're saying? They got a few great. few big videos and they decided that was their audience. And then I said, look, man, I Luke and I, we went to Fukushima while I worked there. I'm yeah. like, I go on the ground to like these conflict and crisis situations yeah. and film that and explore it. What am I going to do? And so they tried to do some stuff like uh, uh, I went to a weapons expo. And we looked at all the different, like, riot control weapons that pertain to, like, the protest
6: movement stuff. And we tested them out, but that video footage never made it out there with me and Tim (laughs) literally having tear (laughs) gas, sitting in a chair, testing who's going to sit there the longest. If this crazy military guy being like, okay, now we're going to do this. And I'm like, okay. We got yeah, tasered. We got tasered too. Do you remember the tasering? What? I think it tasered. You got tasered? <laughs> the, the stomach. There's a video. Was it me or you? You. I, I think, think so. Tasered. I think I got tasered. Wait, where did you wake up after he didn't that? have He didn't have the gunshot, the, the, the firing one. He had the one that you have to put towards your body. I think it was only like 20,000 volts. But... I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he hit me. Yeah, it was me. Yeah, he, I remember he, getting tasered. Oh the gosh, issue was. <laughs> how long did you the video it? never made it out to right. the general public. This is when I was value. sleeping on like Tim Pool's couches when he was working for Disney. <laughs> I'll tell you uh, why. I'll
4: tell you why. Yeah. So I go to the higher-ups and, and, and they were talking. We met this guy. He was one of their specialists in um, weapons training and stuff. And it turned out, uh, I don't want to say too much, but this is a guy of experience, to say the least, international law enforcement, government stuff. And so I said, can you talk to us about strategies for riot control. And he's like, yes, I can. And then I said, we need to go somewhere where we can test all this stuff out. Is there maybe like a field somewhere, you know, where in Miami there's a lot of farmland and they were like, you got it. And I said, let's have this guy. He, he, he couldn't, he was like, people can't know who I am because of the work I've done. I work behind the scenes. I said, wear a mask. We'll have you wear a mask. We'll have you do all this stuff. We'll go in the middle of nowhere And I see, they're like, okay, we're here. And I'm looking around. I'm like, this can't be right. We're like a a parking lot across the street from a McDonald's. There's people (laughs) everywhere. I'm like, no, this is it and it was a garage oh, and the guy comes out and I'm like you expect us to let off tear oh, gas and flashbangs God. in a parking lot of a McDonald's <laughs> yeah, sure. and oh, that's what not? they did and I was <laughs> like dude nice. I don't want to have anything to do with this man you're wow. crazy they brought
6: crazy. out a bunch of crazy equipment that oh, made everything look God. really nuts the FBI showed up Oh my! they did God. yes remember I, I, I put like an Instagram story or a Snapchat story back then and then the FBI <laughs> showed up there and then they were like what's going on here uh, and then the guy oh, explained it know? and then they went away but, oh wow yeah, i was i was yeah. on the phone actually i was on the phone like being like what
4: are you guys what do you, what did you think this was going to be like we're we're supposed to be looking at rubber bullets foam rounds tear gas and we're in an urban parking lot there's oh, people no, no, everywhere no. we can't <laughs> do this and they were like what's the problem and i was like yeah. you want to take responsibility for someone getting tear gas I'm not gonna i don't want to be
6: involved in that so yeah never made it to tv yes that's hilarious yes, yes. So, so there's that, footage out there of me getting tasered that's <laughs> denied to <laughs> everyone it oh, <laughs> i'm
0: disappointed yeah.
5: But that timeline makes a lot of sense because um, the great awakening in the media happened. It started. It had a very so sociologists have found that had like a very specific starting point, which was around 2011 2012, when the New York Times erected its paywall. Not coincidentally, that's when you started to see woke terminology start to just absolutely skyrocket mm-hmm. across the major mainstream liberal news media. So sociologists have literally trawled the archives of the New York Times and the Washington Post and NPR and the Atlantic and all of these outlets. And they found that words like oppression, marginalization, the word people of color near the word oppression or marginalization, white privilege, it's like a hockey stick. Yeah. Like they were kind of like this until 2011, yeah. 2012, they started to totally skyrocket. And what happened in 2015 was white liberals, their their opinion, as it was polled by sociologists, so public opinion among white liberals started to outpace public opinion of blacks and Latinos in terms of how radical it was on issues of race. So that, that impact of the skyrocketing of the use of these terms in the liberal media by three years later, four years later, by 2015, it had this huge impact on public opinion of white liberals to where they became much more extreme in their views on race than blacks and Latinos and started using this very academic language. And that's kind of the, where the great awakening started. Did
4: you, did you see that one study that showed liberals, uh, white progressives are the only, uh, um, racial group in the United States with an out group preference? Yes. So what yes. that means is uh people who are Hispanic or Latino slightly tend to prefer being around people who are Hispanic or Latino, black people slightly. It's like, I think, you know, 18% of 100. So it's like it's low, but it exists. White conservatives slightly prefer to be around white conservatives. And liberals prefer not to be around white right. people. <laughs>
6: Did you notice? That's just weird. Yeah, uh, there's also a correlation with the graph that you were mentioning that I've been seeing online with, of course, Occupy Wall Street and some people theorizing that this was the corporate mm. media's response towards people going against the big totally. banks, going against the big institutions that have failed them, going against the banker bailouts that have redistributed wealth to the very rich, taken away from the very poor. And from from what I'm seeing, it's a perspective of, holy crap, people are catching on to what we're doing. We need mm-hmm. to divide and conquer them. Therefore, let's inject this language, which will help create, do that. Do you think that that, that is a possible theory? Okay, or? so
5: I'll give you a less conspiratorial version, and then you'll tell me if you if you find it convincing enough to abandon the more delicious conspiratorial version. Um, which I could totally see why that's like a satisfying way to think about it, because, and I totally agree that this great awakening moral panic about race is a distraction from the real divide in America, which is the disgusting levels of income inequality and the class divide. So I agree with that part of it. I do personally think from a, um, from the point of view of the news media, this was much more about the digital revolution in terms of media. I think it coincided with the New York Times erecting its paywall because what they started to do was what all of us in digital media do, which is be able to track What terms people clicked on? What terms made them close the browser? You know, what words made them share things? What words made them engage online? And of course, engagement is the big measure of success for digital media. And so I think that there's a much less kind of big picture there's just like a profit margin to where journalists have always been more liberal than Americans at large but here you had their corporation saying no 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 chase that you know racial liberalism yeah. because our audience likes I, it I would well, even so, go
6: just a little bit further and say maybe the algorithms that uh, favored that were also manipulated because of that larger possible conspiracy but same uh, reason we, we, same we, reason we could also live in a reality where both were true at the same yes. time yeah well no look look yes. look, look. Yes. So, so uh,
5: I wasn't convincing enough to abandon. No, you're right. A it could be. You, no, no, no. I'm no, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm getting
3: I'm
4: Luke's wrong. You're right. Because <laughs> I've talked about this too. It's not just the media organizations were making money; It's that Facebook was as well. Yes. So Facebook in, uh, incentivized in their algorithms terms like these. Now, I, I'm not saying I know for a fact they literally said we want this to appear more, but if the algorithm favors, if the algorithm is simply designed. If someone clicks something, show it more. Then terms that made people angry, injustice, were more likely to be shared. So this did a couple things. All of a sudden, we saw the rise of the digital blog. We saw the Huffington Post, BuzzFeed. When, uh, I, as I often explain for those who have heard it, forgive me, but for those who haven't, if you write an article that says police are racist, you'll get X views. If you write an article saying police are sexist, you'll get Y views. But if you write an article saying police are sexist and racist, those two keywords gives you an exponential mm. boost. You'll get a bonus to the amount of traffic because when an article gets a substantial amount of play, the algorithm boosts it more. So now that you're hitting two different communities, the anti-racism and the anti-sexism community, Facebook says, oh, wow, this one got 100,000. Show it to another 20,000, see what happens. Meh, nothing. This one got 100,000, do the same thing. But when this article gets 200,000, whoa, show it to another 100,000. Keep showing it. That one's getting way more traffic than normal. So the combination of terms gave rise to intersectionality, which was a a big component in the precursor Mm. of the culture war, which then Mm. resulted in a lot of this, you know, wokeness. But another really obvious uh, component, you're familiar with Gamergate? Yes. So I can't tell you everything about Gamergate. Now now nearly 10, almost 10 years on. What I can say is... A a video game publication accusing a person of being racist makes no sense. But what happens is if you are tasked, hey, we're going to make a video game website. What can you really write about? Well, uh, some of these sites would be like, okay, a new game came out. We got a new Zelda game. Um, Let's write all the ticks and uh, all the tricks and tips, all of the items you can get. And then what? And then what? The next day you come into work right. and the editor goes, what are you going to write about? <laughs> well, I just finished writing about the Zelda game. And they're like, we need articles. I don't care what's going on. Uh, this developer tweeted a joke that's offensive. Write it up. And then all of a sudden they found the easiest way to get traffic was, can we accuse someone of being a bad person and it somehow relates to video games? And then all of a sudden you have these, these outlets being like, if we're going to keep writing news every single day... We need an angle,
2: and that's a result of a dying company, but just really a dying art form. um, Because video game gameplay footage on YouTube took over, so now if you want to watch gameplay review, you don't read about it; you watch it on TV.
6: And they
2: were just scraping for life.
6: There's an important question to answer here: Does the algorithm run us, or do we run the algorithm? So it's like a: Did the chicken come or the egg come first? I would argue that there are people tied into a lot of these bigger big tech social media companies that are doing social human experimentation uh, are doing um, psychological experiments just like Facebook has done and 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 knowingly conducted controlling our emotions and I think there is even a bigger profit motive to make someone feel lonely to feel sad to feel depressed and I think there is a correlation between our mental health decline and of course the onset and prominence of big tech social media so I I would say that I believe that both could be true, but I think what is more prevalent is the algorithm uh running us. That's my perspective. That's how I see you're, you're, it from I, my experiences. You see it differently. No, which I, I agree with you. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, you it's guys the said the it's not the people thing. running us. It's the it's algorithm It's definitely a combination. We, it's like we, a
2: self-fulfilling we, creation.
4: We do have the article. This is from yeah. The Guardian. Facebook, sorry, almost, for mm-hmm. secret psychological experiment on users. They've been doing this. They're probably still doing it. Facebook knows when you poop. But what happens is... Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, whoever makes an algorithm, they're aiming for an outcome they can't program for. This is the danger of, uh, I think, one of the big dangers of AI. Mm -hmm. But so YouTube says, we want content on YouTube that is long form with a high retention rate that hits issues, subject matter that people like. How do we do that? Okay. If someone clicks the video, that's a good sign. If someone watches for a long time, that's a good sign. And then we'll show everybody the same words that keep getting clicked. What happens? YouTube starts promoting... Hitler doing Tai Chi with the Incredible Hulk (laughs) singing nursery rhymes. Yes, so Because it was babies who watched the most and just watched 100% of videos because they don't touch anything.
1: Oh, wow.
4: This is what happens when a human programs an algorithm Uh and then lets it run. The algorithm goes wild. (laughs) So we ended up, like everything we're seeing right now, Rachel Maddow, right? Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. It's called audience capture. Mm -hmm. Rachel Maddow can't admit she was wrong about it, so Mm -hmm. she just elides the controversy. She ignores it. Now she's coming out and claiming that Republicans forged electoral documents. The reality is, as is typical with any uh, contentious election, Republican electors in uh, in 2020 filled out their uh, uh, electoral slates, sent them to the government. That's it. The same thing happened in 1960 with Hawaii, Nixon, and Kennedy. Well, Rachel Maddow could tell you the truth, but then she won't get traffic. Then her audience won't like what she has to say. So she just plays into that narrative. Humans become servants to the algorithm. After the algorithm chooses nonsense to be popular, the human plays along with it and pushes that same garbage.
5: Okay, so I think I disagree with you guys. I think that the... Well, okay, from the point of view that I have, which is the point of view of elite media or rather mainstream, you know, legacy media, to me, it seems like they have very much abandoned the idea of like mass readership. The New York Times is no longer going for a mass... Readership. They're going for elite, highly educated liberals based on the subscriber model. So now they only have to satisfy those. I think right now they have 7 million. We
4: don't disagree. Interesting. We agree. Well, so,
5: but I think you can't, like, the, when you have such a small, everybody now, all the liberal outlets, including CNN, all these people are going for the same. They all—they don't want all Americans watching. They want 10 million affluent liberals, like that's. And so, to, like it's it, those people are very specific in terms of what they're looking for.
4: We we, we agree. We're agreeing. We're agreeing. Mm. Yeah, I'm saying Rachel Maddow has a very small and specific audience that she right. can't betray. Right. So she'll say whatever needs to right. be said to keep them enthralled.
5: But that's humans. That's not Facebook.
4: Well, no. It, what, what I mean is, someone creates an algorithm. The algorithm then generates a kind of content that people get attached to mm-hmm. rachel maddow then sees here's a market share i can take right. based upon right. the algorithmic manipulation so right. a better example is black lives matter and police brutality mm-hmm. videos that generate outrage get more shares and more interactivity than anything else and so facebook was inundated with police brutality videos police brutality accounts for a microscopic percentage of all police interactions but they get clicks so you have a generation of kids this is, this is the next component outside of the media making money you had kids who were 15, 16 years old at the dawn of uh, Facebook they go on Facebook all they see is police brutality over and mm-hmm. over and over again because it was making money for these companies then by the time they're out of college and they're 22, a few years later it's 2012, 2013 Wait. and they are hypnotized believing the entire world is police hunting down black people So their whole perspective is warped to an insane degree. Rachel Maddow and people like her have found a captive audience who believe insane things that they can pander to.
5: Right. But I have to say, specifically on that example, I feel like that one is very much a double-edged sword. Like... I don't believe that George Floyd's killers, killer would be in prison if not for the algorithm doing that because that would not have become a national story and without it being a national story would we have had that video, would it have gone that way and so I feel like there's such a, it's such a double edged sword there. But should he be in prison? Oh, I
4: That's, get... there's a divide in this country between conservatives. Is there though? There is absolutely. Really? Oh, we we we've gone over that that story to a great degree. When the story first broke, we were all very much on the side of like, whoa, that was really wrong of him to do. Mm. And then when the body camera footage got released, we were like, wow, the media lied to us about everything, noting like uh, with
5: George t- Floyd.
4: Yeah, like George Floyd was on a speedball. He had high doses of uh, methamphetamine, and what else did he have?
2: Nicotine, uh,
5: fentanyl. caffeine, fentanyl, 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 fentanyl and
0: fentanyl. Yeah. he was chewing on a speedball.
2: Five drugs. Yeah, but uh, he
0: was strangled to death. I mean. With the Lucky Land Slut, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Yeah, technically I think well, cause of uh, death was cardiac arrest, but yeah. that might have been due to asphyxiation.
5: No, it was strangulation. No, that, there were two
2: um, autopsies that came out. The family's autopsy said it was strangulation and then the state coroner said it was No, but I watched the whole arrest.
5: trial and it was very clear that it was um, strangulation.
4: Well,
2: I mean, it, that it's, wasn't it's, even
5: it's, con- contested by his lawyer.
4: Well, it's it's not. I'm not trying to get into yeah an argument yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. i I'm down to go yeah. deep because on that I'm problem. willing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 willing to have the argument. You know, he should be. You know, manslaughter at the very least. But the issue is that um in there there's there's it's it's not so clear cut. And you have mm-hmm. you have you you probably have the, the 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 more conservative side of things saying it's not clear cut that he should be in jail. Uh, one example is even in the trial, the use of force expert for the for the prosecution mm-hmm. said that uh, Chauvin would have been entitled to use even more force than he had already used. So there, I, I'm not again. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying there were issues where people see it differently,
2: and so. Yeah. I actually just pulled up here from mystateline.com. I, mm-hmm. I haven't checked it out, but an autopsy report confirmed George Floyd died from a cardiac arrest, which was quote complicated by law enforcement subdual. Um, this was the
5: cardiac arrest was caused by him being strangulated.
2: That's what it's. Well, it yeah. says yeah, it was complicated. Yeah. it was caused by probably complications due to law enforcement subdual. Which a better is example is were, yeah, we yeah. choked to, him until he had a heart yeah. attack.
4: A better example yeah. is probably like Kyle yeah. Rittenhouse.
5: That's a perfect ex- I'm sure yeah. we totally agree about that. That was disgusting. I mean. But this
4: is what, what happens when, yeah. um, maybe there's even a better example than that, like Russia Gate yeah. or what I mentioned with Rachel Maddow and claiming Republicans forged documents. There's, there's a desperate need to satisfy your subscriber totally. base. We don't do that. We, you know, uh, we don't. We just talk about what we want to talk about. Sometimes people get mad at us. I've criticized people on the right and all of a sudden I have people yelling at me and I'm like, dude, whatever. If you think I'm just going to pander. And then they're like, it's, it's, it's really amazing. A cancel culture does exist oh, yeah. for okay. everyone. It doesn't mean if, you know, it's not only on the left for sure. With the
2: rise of subscription model, this is fascinating. What is the future of journalism? If you're, I mean, how, how can you keep a journalistic enterprise afloat and try and be the fourth estate and criticize everything and everyone when you have to have subscribers that'll leave if you start criticizing the people they love?
5: Yeah. So so the New York Times right now, 91 percent of its readership are Democrats. Mm -hmm. Now, that takes a lot of work to get there for the paper of record. That's no that's no easy feat, you know, like something they did in the last five years. Just like CNN, you know, in 2012, as recently as 2012, both CNN and Fox News had a predominantly working class viewership. They had only 25 percent of both Fox and CNN had a college degree. Over the course of the last, you know, 10 years or whatever, CNN lost half of its working class audience. Wow. It's signaled to working class libs. This channel is no longer for you. How did it do that with wokeness? Because wokeness is a smokescreen for a class divide. It's being perpetuated by white liberal elites who are literally lining their pockets with this stuff. You know, to avoid talking about a class divide that they have benefited from.
4: Let me, let me show you an example that I, that I talked about um, earlier today. This is from wishtv.com. I believe it's a uh, Indianapolis channel eight. It is fat shaming to point out that people who get COVID and are, uh, uh, Who are being hospitalized, tends to be obese. So we have this tweet from, I don't know who this person is, but Melissa Cancel Student Debt Burn Uh. is fat shaming the new CDC government policy. The, The last week of CDC gov tweets has been awful. What did the CDC say? They say a new CDC MMWR finds that two out of three children and adolescents hospitalized for COVID had one or more underlying health conditions, most commonly obesity. Fewer than one percent of el- uh, el- fewer than one percent eligible for COVID nineteen vaccination have been vaccinated. Learn more. They didn't insult people for being fat. They didn't say it was bad to be fat. They didn't say you're ugly or you're nasty. They simply said, "Here's a fact," and that was mocked. So th- what we see here is, I suppose, virtuous virtue signaling, perpetuating a cycle of decay and destruction in this country. So the reality is, if you want to live a longer life, if you want to have a lower chance of going to the hospital with COVID lose weight, eat better exercise, talk to a medical professional and a a health and nutrition specialist who can help you live better. But instead of hearing things like why not take some vitamin D and get some sunlight and breathe some fresh air and get some exercise. We hear everything has to align perfectly with whatever tribe people find themselves in this woman. It's fat shaming to point out a fact. Well, that's the, that's the tribe they're in. But
5: it's also like, look how lovely and slim she is. Like the person tweeting this, like these people, like like, you know, there's such a hypocrisy there. You know, the same thing with like, you, you see this a lot with marriage, right? Like you see this sort of liberal culture that's, you know, often telling people, oh, marriage is an antiquated institution. Like people don't have to get married. Stop shaming people. You know, we have to promote all kinds of family structures. And the people saying that are all, you know, Affluent, highly educated people who are married, who are, you know, benefiting very much from marriage from an economic point of view, because marriage has been very much correlated with higher earnings. And so you have this kind of like this 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 tiny tiny elite that is impervious to the costs of its bs right to the cost of saying oh no it's totally fine to be obese like that'll never hurt you you know like we have to respect people's choices to be this way right or it's not a choice right like while at the same time they would never in a million years allow their own children to live in that way i find it really really it's 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 terrible
2: obesity is definitely a choice In 2003, I started to get obese, so I stopped eating McDonald's and drinking Coke every day for lunch. And I didn't get obese as a result.
5: Some people have a genetic predisposition, some people don't. Maybe, but but to eating, I don't
2: know. Fasting is like a lost art.
4: We we need to reintroduce it. It's true, but there's still the reality of you can't gain weight if you don't ingest the calories. So it may be more difficult for some people, but people could choose.
5: I don't know. I just look at cheesecake and I'm like, gain the weight. Uh, uh, Well,
4: they've got, they've got, hold on there, hold on there. I've been doing keto. Cheesecake is very fatty, so it's excellent so long as it's sweetened with allulose, yes, or erythritol. Mm-hmm. I don't like erythritol though, the sugar alcohol stuff. But we've got we've got keto cheesecake, and it tastes exactly the same. In fact, you know, we we got some in the green room, so uh, you oh, can we'll try
5: definitely it. Definitely be partaking and of that, that you, sounds good. So keto So it's really
6: good. I got some regular cheesecake. I'm going to be partaking in that myself. <laughs> I, I, I want to learn how to make it. The I want cheesecake. But okay, the, 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 the bigger, yeah, issue. the issue
5: of like that, you know, like people. Like living a lifestyle that benefits them and their children and then hoarding the benefits for themselves with this rhetoric that sounds like social justice, but actually is sentencing the poor to live much worse lives that they would never let their own children live. Exactly. That that's the point. And yeah.
2: they're just trying to do it for profit? Like when you see these ads, like it's okay to be large. No, or that
5: would be so much easier. That's the thing. Is mm. like Yuval Levin has this great quote. He's like, he's like, Washington would be so much easier to navigate if everyone who showed up was like, he, he, he. I'm going to get all the money and all the power when actually what happens is everyone shows up and says, I am going to heal the world. I'm going to mm. fix everything. I'm going to make everything better. Like they truly, this woman truly believes that fat shaming is worse than dying of COVID. Yikes. You know, that's the thing is like they really believe it. And I know this because I was once one of them.
4: Well, take, you know. t- take a look at this uh, this image, this famous image from Cosmo. This is healthy. 11 women on why wellness doesn't have to be one size fits all. No, it's not. Obesity is not healthy. But
5: she's not obese; she looks great. I
2: think are you technically serious? that is obesity.
4: No, that's that's near morbid obesity. Yeah, that see, is um, see, Americans obese. have become so desensitized. To I get do, so annoyed when people like eat a steak, eat, 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 and like, dude, stop eating for eighteen hours. I this woman, she looks great. She's probably morbidly obese. Really? Yeah. People, Americans are so desensitized yeah, to are. what overweight mm-hmm. really is. You'd be you'd be surprised. Like uh, people who we would describe as chubby in America are obese. This woman is probably morbidly obese, or at least on the border of not the fattest you've ever mm-hmm. seen. And then this woman here, clearly,
5: yeah, uh, I,
4: I would assume is is morbid obesity.
5: She also looks great to me.
4: I mean, as a human, I, have
1: I mean, much sure. Love for by that, all means, you can. No, say, she looks really healthy. Like it's clear that she has a lot of muscle. Yeah. Well, That's, I think it's true. It's possible. It's 100% true that one size does not fit all when it comes to yeah. health. But I do have to say that this was actually probably my biggest red pill when I was 11 years old. I looked at what feminism had to say about the fat acceptance movement, and I was like, are you effing joking? <laughs> that is not going to help women live longer, happier lives. If they really wanted women to live and see their grandkids, they would be promoting being active, Finding something that you like to do, like yoga, doing something healthy with yourself. There's but-
4: there's there, there's so many negative health uh, consequences of being overweight. Yeah. higher blood pressure, um, yeah. immune, heart disease, uh, heart disease especially. Uh-huh. I- uh, yeah. Oh, this
6: body I, I just want to be I just want to be I, I, don't, I don't I don't see any muscles I'll just be honest. <laughs> <with you>. That's <laughs> just no, my hey, perspective. But, <laughs> but a lot of this is being done in the guise of helping them. Like we need to help them. We need to stop fat shaming them. We need to stop making them feel bad. But it, essentially what they're doing is hurting these people even more later down the line because they're not being real with them. They they they, they fake caring about them because if they really did truly care about yes. someone who is overweight, they'd be like, "Okay, you know, let's do this. Let's hit the gym. Let's work out. Let's let's change your diet. But let's who do get you away think from
5: gym. Like, who do you think they have a line into their brains? Like, nobody's buying this. Like, nobody. Who do you think they're convincing? They're not convincing anybody. They're
6: virtue signaling. Yeah. these people. These, so it these, just they, makes they them known. feel good. It's yeah. not exactly. actually.
5: There's no person who's like, should I go on a diet? No, I don't have to because. Well, I
6: would I, I would disagree. Really? Actually, I would actually disagree. Really? Yeah, because these are people of influence. Mm. Uh, we see we've seen this in a lot of the corporate press saying oh, Lizzo, fat. Yeah. Fat shaming is is bad. It's okay to accept your weight. It's there's even you know people giving out um, you know uh, um, little notes to individuals to their doctors saying hey don't ask me about my weight, which is absolutely ridiculous. Your doctor should know how much you weigh. They should know how much your weight has changed. My mm-hmm. favorite one of my favorite memes is is all the pretty obese health bureaucrats um, oh, yeah. th- that were deciding on people's Belton. health. And and Joe Rogan made a very kind of interesting point about this because he said, you know, himself, I've been working on my health almost my entire life, I've been hitting the gym, I've been I've been watching what I eat, I've been making sure I take the right supplements, I I, I make sure I, I rest. And there's someone who does the complete opposite of that to telling me what I should be doing for my health. You know that that should be something we should consider. We shouldn't make it the end all be all, but at the end of the day, you know, tough love and, and just being real and honest with people goes a lot further than just kind of patronizing them and, and pretending to care about them, which I think is going to lead to more harm. You know.
5: But also, you could go too far with it. Like every time I go to LA, I'm like this is a godless place. Mm. Like Yeah, they, absolutely. It's yeah. pure materiality, it's pure yes. body worship and it's like there's no spirit at all. It's all it's kind of gross And if you and look, look at the
6: fashion industry, they are normalizing You know, women to look like... Prepubescent boys, yeah, and yeah, I think a lot yeah. of that has to do with the Jeffrey Epstein connections, but that's a whole other thing to even get into. Oh. But there's a lot of you know Jean-Luc yeah. Bernay, Les Wexner. There's a whole lot of individuals, Victoria's Secret, that are involved in in portraying this image of perfection of of these like girls who are too, way too young who look like little boys. That that's that's something that needs to be addressed. And I I do agree with you. That's also another issue that should be talked about, should be addressed, just as the same as this one because it's it's in the same realm of providing an image that is absolutely unfair and skews people's minds to what the reality of our of our real life is, and so do Instagram filters they have a huge negative consequence for people's mental health because they get this image portrayed that everyone's perfect they don't have any wrinkles they have the perfect uh bosoms and the perfect uh glass shape of wine of of whatever they want to our describe glass. themselves hourglass <laughs> yeah. who knows now it what wine glass knows with the oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> hey, look what we so were just looking at just wine a wine few glasses. moments ago
6: here. Tell me I'm not wrong. That, two you know. white wine glasses upside down. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, that, that makes game. sense. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, me. So, so <laughs> maybe a red wine glass on the, the bottom. The, the main issue yeah. I was trying to get to yeah. is
4: we have a, d- a definitive fact that uh, I think the CDC said 30% of people who hospitalized for COVID are obese. Yes. We then have these virtue signaling media types saying you're fat shaming by telling people that. Yeah. It's going to get people killed.
1: If I could speak to this, just because I have struggled with my weight throughout my life, as people can probably tell, I'm struggling with it again. I'm getting a little chubby, as chat likes to point oh out. Oh my god, what um, are you talking so about? So here's the deal: I am concerned. <laughs> the standards here are way too high. No, it's <laughs> not. I just know how I used to look and how I looked before that. So I'm like trying to get up, get back on target with my health. And it's it's interesting to me and horrifying to watch compassion taking the place of factual observation because I understand wanting everyone to feel. Like they look beautiful. I completely understand. As a woman, 100%. Very, I, I feel deeply that everyone should understand that they are unique individuals and have like this unique perspective in life. But when it comes to helping people live their best lives, their longest lives and get the most out of life, I think it's essential to point out the things that are dangerous. And I'm very sorry that health has become so emotionally oriented because it's very, very important for people to live their fullest lives and to be their best selves to have an understanding that it feels good to work out that it feels great to see yourself get more flexible and stronger that it's really key to living a better and stronger life and with the COVID thing i think this should be a turning point in the american understanding of our own weight as such a key component of what happens to us in the hospital we've disconnected from that we think that what we eat has nothing to do with how We live and how we experience life. but um, When we
6: start looking at the larger impacts from the sugar industry and the factory food industry, there's a lot to unpack there with what is happening to our health right now that definitely deserves a real discussion. And I think they're preventing it from happening. Yeah, they for sure
2: are. When Michelle Obama got into office, I should say when Barack got in, she started the Let's Move campaign, which was basically let's move and cut sugar out of our diets, everyone. And then a couple weeks went by, radio silence. All of a sudden, the sugar industry is part of the White House group, and it changes into an exercise campaign let's get up and move but what they're telling people is you can eat crappy food and then burn off the calories Mm -hmm. and you'll be back to zero that's That's not how it works you don't if you if you can't drink diet coke and then work out and expect to be healthy you can't put that stuff in your body they don't put poison in your body And this industry like the tobacco industry has commercials on tv peddling it to kids this addictive substance sucrose like there's some value to it for sure but it's a drug we got to treat it like a drug. Sugar's a drug?
5: So Eric Adams, who's New York's new mayor, who's uh, pretty great, um, he has this – he's a vegan and he became oh. a vegan because he got diabetes and he started to lose his vision. Mm. And apparently as soon as he became a vegan, three weeks later, it all came back and all the symptoms wow. started reversing themselves. And he pushes veganism as a kind of racial justice thing because he says, look at the foods that our community is consuming. These are like foods that we had to learn how to make because of slavery and because we were only given scraps. But now it's keeping us enslaved and it's harming our bodies and we have to have this, he has like a whole metaphor for it. Um, and it's, it's very cool, but I tend to think of the obesity epidemic very much along the lines of like the deaths of despair, like mm-hmm. from alcoholism and opioid addiction and overdose and, and, um, suicide. Like it's, it's like, it's happening among the lower classes. It's happening among the poor. And to me, it signals like, of a kind of hopelessness a giving up a, a sign of like a spiritual dearth and a lack of connection to to the nation like an inability to see yourself as an active participant in building up the nation because comes back to economics you know the offshoring of these great jobs like downward mobility of the working class where you no longer see your life as being on an upward trajectory
4: let's talk about the uh, the paradox of anti-racism <sighs> yes. these woke yeah. <laughs> these, these woke people say that they are anti-racist but as we know, according to Ibram X. Kendi, uh, anti-racism means actively participating in discrimination. GeekWire writes, Trulia to drop neighborhood crime data from home listings after Redfin speaks out against practice. You're going to love this one. Oh they they say, given the long history of redlining and racist housing covenants in the United States, there's too great a risk of this inaccuracy reinforcing racial bias Christian Taubman, Redfin's chief growth officer, wrote in December 13th Post. We believe that Redfin and all real estate sites should not show neighborhood crime data. There is something profoundly racist about taking down crime data and saying it's because it's racist. Isn't it paradoxical?
5: Disgusting. Because the implication, of course, is that black people, right, don't Mm. also want to know where crime (laughs) is so they could avoid it, right? Right it's so disgusting
4: <laughs> yeah i it's guess amazing. they think it's It's like they have this ugh, everyone should experience all of the crime that way no one it's not one equality. group that does yeah <laughs> yeah equality everyone suffers is it's that so is that,
5: disgusting the erasure of the victims of crime mm-hmm. like the it's because it embarrasses white liberals that the perpetrators of these violent crimes are people of color, that embarrasses them, right? Because it doesn't fit with the anti-racism where black people are the oppressed and white people are the oppressors. They are willing to erase the victims of these crimes, children being gunned down in their neighborhoods every day and no one will talk about it.
4: The issue with with uh, uh, crime in in big cities and in this country is always poverty. Mm -hmm. You take a look at impoverished white neighborhoods, you'll see a high level of crime. You take a look at black neighborhoods, impoverished high levels of crime. And what they do is they put a racial component on it, which makes everyone immediately assume the crime is race based. It's a class issue. That's my big problem I take with with wokeness. It's basically it's a scapegoat for the wealthy elites. As you mentioned, it's a class issue, but they disguise it. And it makes these liberals feel good without having to actually change anything. They're not going to move from their white enclaves. They're just going to pretend like they're doing something by removing the crime stats from from their websites. Meanwhile, they all know where they're living. They all know where they come from. They all know what they want to do and how they want to do it. Anti-racism is very racist. Yes. And it's Chloe overtly. Valderay,
2: I believe, said very plaintively called it uh, counter-dependence. So mm-hmm. you can have a codependent relationship with racism where you're like blatantly racist and scream at people like you're worse than me but having a counter dependence on racism is also racist trying to trying to use racism to combat racism because you hate racism yeah. and you'll use you'll go to any lengths to stop racism including be racist but a it lot, makes no a, sense a lot of this and it is racist
4: for what reason does redfin or Trulia have to remove crime data
1: this is just a virtue signal and this data isn't going away just because they're not putting this filter on top of the map anymore they have the data. Their rich allies have the data. The people who want it will get it. The normal people will not have it. And this that's disgusting. This, this I think that's a, the hypocrisy you're talking about.
4: I'll tell you exactly why I can't stand uh, the Democratic Party and overwhelmingly the establishment left. They are willing to ignore reality for the sake of tribe. Now, certainly the Trump supporters have that element too, but they're not in power. They don't control cultural institutions. And I, I just look at um, COVID data. I take a look at, uh, the vaccine mandates, the mask mandates. I take a look at how they virtue signal this way. I take a look at how they tell people, we want to dis- Black Lives Matter that they want to disrupt the nuclear family. Even though we know the nuclear family is a huge component, re- re- it's, it's related to success and uh, better living. When it comes to all of these policies, rich people are exempt. They're always exempt. Rich person wants crime data? They simply go to a service and they pay the money and they get it. And if you're if you making millions of dollars, what do you care about spending a thousand bucks on crime data? But they'll remove it for you, Mm -hmm. the average American. When it comes to vaccine mandates and mask mandates, rich people don't got to worry about it. When it comes to air travel, oh no, everybody's got to wear their masks. They want to fly on planes. Joe Biden says, maybe we'll do a vaccine mandate for air travel. The rich person says, let's take private. Why do I care? It's always something negative for the poor and the working class. I just... You know, I take a look at going back to the Trump years. You had Americans suffering. These small towns were being gutted and destroyed by neoliberal policy, sending factories overseas. And then when these people said, we need help, and many of them wanted Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton wins. They say, okay, we'll take Trump. The response from the elites is you're all racists and you're perpetuating white supremacy. And and this is where we are today. the, the, The aftermath of all of this, fake virtue signaling garbage.
6: Yeah, this article reminds me. It, it's kind of similar to what happened on the View in 2015 when we had uh, Kelly Osborne said we oh, can't yeah. kick the Latinos out because who's going to clean our toilets? Oh, <laughs> so this she was really s- said that? she said that on air on, yeah. air, on national television. Wild. And when you look at oh a lot of these God. kind of wokest, when you look at a lot of these kind of anti-racist <gasps> apologists, many times these individuals are. The biggest racist themselves because they believe that they're better than other people and that they need to help them because they're so much better in, in all circumstances than, than other people because of their skin color. That, that viewpoint is absolutely absurd and it's, it's this, white knighting to the absurd levels. This
4: explains mm-hmm. the white progressive so well. Authoritarian, elitist, and racist all at once, but guilty about it. <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, I, I was talking to someone. I worked in L.A. for a little bit. I lived there for a little bit. And people were telling me that celebrities are really scared. They're really superstitious. So they donate a lot of money to various causes because they're worried about karma. You know, they do this movie. They make millions of dollars. And they feel bad that they're living this way. So they give money away. This is kind of the same thing. I think, I think a better way to explain it is Warren Buffett. When he said, I can't remember exactly what happened with this, but he was like, we should do a pledge to give away half our money or something. Mm-hmm. You remember that, Luke? Something uh, like that. Yeah,
5: I remember that, yeah.
4: And it, I, I don't think it had anything to do with him actually caring. I think it had to do with him hedging his bet that there was going to be a class war yeah. and people were not going to tolerate his wealth. So he's like, I'm giving stuff away. So when I see this stuff... These are white supremacists with guilty consciences. Mm. Yep. These, these liberals, these progressives, they're deeply racist individuals. They push deeply racist policies. They've actively tried to get civil rights legislation repealed in California. Wh- which proposition was that where they tried to repeal from their California constitution the civil rights provision? No joke. They tried to remove yeah. that because they said, well, once we get rid of it, then we can help the poor minorities by giving them preferential treatment. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's an L.A. celebrity, woke, whatever, and she was advocating for this, saying we need this proposition. It was They called it the affirmative action proposition, that by removing the non-discrimination clause from our Constitution, we will be able to help poor minorities go to school and get better jobs and better government contracts. And so I asked my friend, what percentage of California is white? What is it, like 70%? Can you pull that up real Not quick? Sure. I think it's upwards of 70%. And I said, do you think, and, and and what about like Central California and a lot of these smaller towns, what percentage, of what percentage of white do you think they are? And she's like, oh, I probably like 99%. I was like, yeah. Do you, do you think these people are all racist? Do you think white people are racists?
1: 71.
4: 71%. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I think, you know, white people are deeply racist. And I said, okay, so when you take away the constitutional provision that bars racial discrimination, and give a seventy-one percent white majority the ability to discriminate. Do you think they're going to all of a sudden give up that power or entrench it? That's what that, that's what they. I, I think honestly, I am not so worried about the small town white you know uh, majority putting up you know uh, whites only or anything like that. I am worried about these progressive Hollywood types who will be like, oh well, you know why can't we do that? They've already done it in Seattle with their, you know, they had the um, what, what did they say? Diversity uh, people of color room and non-POC room. Yeah, have you seen these? Yeah, when they set when they yeah. start segregating, so. Forgive me if I don't trust these activists when they claim
6: they're doing it for altruistic reasons. Dude. It's like Bill Gates really quickly. i just going to make a reference because there's an example I could make here. When he said he was going to give off all of his wealth to charity, he literally doubled his wealth in a few years. So th- that that's the type of individual. Sorry. Go ahead, Ian. Well, I just I, needed to say I that. I wonder
2: how many times you got to see a movie where the guy's like, quick, give me the ultimate power item. Quick, quick. And then you yeah. give it to him and he's like, yeah, thank you. And he turns and uses it on you. And you're like, dude. Like. <laughs>
4: You don't give uh, give that kind of authority to someone. I, I, I don't really believe that if California got rid of that provision in their constitution, all of a sudden all the white people would be like, now it's our chance.
2: (laughs) But that would ultimately eventually happen in a, in a, in an entropic system.
4: What I mean is, for my friend to claim that she's, you know, she's woke and she believes white people are all racist. Right. To then want to give the white majority the power to discriminate against people based on race makes no sense. And they won't back away from it. Her response to me was, yeah, well, you know, it's the right thing to do. And I'm just like, do you actually care about the logic of helping poor people? Or is it just I'm going to say whatever my tribe tells me to say so I'm popular?
5: Okay, but we have two parties in this country. And one of my big gripes with Republicans is like, "Okay, it's true. You're not all white supremacists, but where's your counteroffer? to I agree. fix the remaining problems that they, we have with racism. Like, there's nothing there. There's nothing doing. You would think they would be showing up in the black community and saying, hey, I'm going to give you school choice, get your kid into a good school, and I'm going to put the criminals away so your kid doesn't get shot on the way to that good school. And they don't show but, up.
4: Well, so the Republican establishment doesn't, but the populist Republicans are starting to do that. We, They're we,
5: starting to. It's true.
4: Well, so that's, but, that's what we like, need. But, like,
5: very, very slowly, and it's sort we of like— need
4: we need everybody to primary every establishment yes. politician, be it Democrat or Republican. Yeah. And then we can get some Democrats who say the exact same thing as Republicans say the same thing. And because populism is is the answer, regardless of your economic position. I don't care if you're a laissez-faire populist or a communist populist. If we find key issues we're going to work together on, and then we can argue about the rest of it. Excellent. Right. Instead, what we have is the Democratic establishment is obsessed with Trump. The Republican establishment just obstructs. And then we get we get nowhere as as, you know, Americans who are trying to actually solve our problems no. to live better lives. This is why I think one of the reasons Trump wins, at the very least, Trump was like, I'm going to bring your factories back. I'm going to bring your jobs back. I'm going to deal with the opioid crisis. I'm going to deal with our border crisis. We're going to end these foreign wars. Far from perfect. In a lot of these things. But hey, he didn't start any new wars. He triggered, you know, he set the timeline for getting us out of, out of Afghanistan. He tried getting us out of Syria. He did bring many of our factories back. Joe Biden comes in. Everything falls apart once again. I feel like now they're just I, the establishment politicians, namely the Democrats. Here, here's, here's what I see happening. Let me slow down. It was always the same with the Democrats and the Republicans, the uniparty. Bernie and Trump staged an insurgency from the left and the right. Bernie is weak. He gave in, he caved and now he toes the line. He has been absorbed into the machine. Donald Trump is a crazy person who kicked the door and screaming and took over. And now a large portion of the Republican party is controlled by Trump and his supporters. There still remains establishment Democrats in control, but they're slowly being weeded out. Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, these guys, in my opinion, are awful. Even Ted Cruz has proven himself to be weak and feckless. Then you do have a lot of populist Republicans who are a little too aggressive, but it's better than the establishment, in my opinion. The Democrats have doubled down and redoubled their efforts. The neocons who are booted out of the party jump sides to the Democratic establishment mm-hmm. with like the Lincoln Project yep. and mm-hmm. now start towing all of that line. So that's that's it. They're, the Uniparty is in the Democrats. They are mm. extracting as much as they can from this country as the ship is sinking. The, Mitch McConnell, his whole attitude is, well, I'm going to stand here and do nothing and be a speed bump. While the Democrats are like, the only thing you should care about is Donald Trump. And Nancy Pelosi goes, buy more stocks as I change the laws. They don't. I don't believe any one of these politicians, save a small handful, actually care about making this country better. I think for the most part, they all see it as what can I do to ensure my family's wealth and success because the country is collapsing. That's what I see across the board. So my hope now is that come the primaries, people go to the Republican party and they vote out every single one of these establishment Republicans, all of the, and then you get some working class individuals. Uh, American populists. And the same thing happens to the Democratic Party. I hope the Democrats get some, you know, I, 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 it doesn't really fly on the left, but moderate working class populist center left individuals to get rid of the Democratic establishment corporatist crony garbage and the woke trash. And then the Republicans need to do the same thing to the neocon war hawks and corporatists as well. And
2: Don't then hope hope repeal happen. the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, we're headed <laughs> towards zero. Yeah. We got to get rid of that stupid
4: corporation, man. <laughs> I don't know, I feel like decentralization is our best bet. Less centralized power at the at the federal level, you know, is a, is our is our best opportunity. Because right now what's happening is both sides are trying to fight for supreme power. But
2: this is actually the first time in history that it's been that it's never been better to create a decentralized government.
5: What gives you hope, Tim? Like what what is your positive vision? Like what yeah.
4: I mean, uh, well, gun rights. Wow. Uh-huh. That's fantastic. Uh, gun rights have been winning across the board and that it says more than just guns. It says that regular people are, are, are focused on their individual responsibilities.
5: Autonomy. Yeah. yeah. Autonomy.
4: There is still an, uh, a semblance of oh, also a lot of people expect the country to fall apart, but I actually, I'm, I'm, uh, it's, I, I wouldn't say any of this is pessimistic. I think mm-hmm. it's fairly optimistic. Mm-hmm. I think the, the, uh, populism is winning the, the, uh, Day after day, we can see that anybody who tows the establishment line is, is mocked ruthlessly and insulted and derided, and they're not going to survive politically. Adam Kinzinger is the best example. He, he, he comes out and he tweets an insult at Jack Posobiec. and I'm just like, bro, you, you're not gonna win a reelection if you're against Jack Posobiec. Mm-hmm. Jack is a very prominent conservative personality. He's a million, million plus followers or whatever. He does a big podcast. So you don't gotta, the, I don't, I don't, the left doesn't like the guy, but on the right, They love him. If you're a Republican and you're like, I oppose what these people stand for, you may as well leave. So these establishment guys are going to lose. I think the same thing's going to happen on the Democratic side. 26 Democrats have announced their retirement because they know they're done. Kinzinger announced his retirement. He knows he's done. The establishment is broken. It's falling apart. CNN's ratings are in the trash. Our ratings are through the roof. Crowder, Glenn Greenwald, Jimmy Dore, success across the board for populist personalities who actually believe in the working class. I think that's great news. Mm -hmm. I think the night is always darkest before the dawn. Things Mm -hmm. may get pretty bad. I do think we're on the verge of some major conflict that's going to happen. National divorce could precipitate some serious fighting over resources, but ultimately I think it's going to be, it's going to get a lot better. You know, if you believe in the Strauss, generational theory, then we are in the fourth turning, the period of tumult Mm -hmm. and crisis. And that means after 2028, Things are going to get really, really good, and we're going to have 40 years of growth and prosperity, 20 years of stagnation, and then 20 years of, cl- of crisis and collapse again, so. You know what's marked you
2: know, for
4: 2029?
2: What? Peak graphene. Uh-huh. <laughs> mar- what? what is that? Graphene's carbon. Take a drink, everybody. <laughs> it's a material, like, um, and it's going to be, it's carbon, but they figured out how to make it as a, monoatomic layer, just one layer, atom-thick layer of carbon. I've, it's got I, amazing properties. We'll be using guy. it for building materials in the 21st century. Pure carbon. You can get I it out of carbon cr- dioxide. We can withdraw the carbon dioxide and make buildings out of it, basically.
4: Oh, oh. I got this guy a Christmas present. <laughs> Tim got me graphene, graphene for graphene Christmas. Yeah. So He's graphene. Um, but uh-huh. the market
2: has... I did was doing a lot of research 2018, looking down in, in Chile to build a company down there to start producing it, and everything was pointing to 2029, as peak, the year that... Global society is gonna embrace graphene.
4: We, yeah. we, we have a button, you can't see it. And whenever we feel the conversation's going in circles, I press it and a big thing lights up saying graphene and it flashes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it cues
2: Ian to just... I also to
6: shock, it shocks me. It does, on, yeah. From under my seat in case my <laughs> eyes are closed. There's a DMT one for the after show, but <laughs> yeah. that's a different story. But, but to kind of ask you, what, what gives you hope? And to kind of also, while you're, you're here, I, I think it's fair to say that we kind of see the solution as d- very differently. Uh, but we agree on the problem. We agree that obviously the billionaires are controlling too much of our existence. We believe that the banks have absolutely printed money out of thin air. We believe that we're controlled by multinational corporations that call the shots. Populism has never been heard by the, uh, the government. Is there hope for us working together somehow from these different perspectives on these larger populist ideas? Do you see populists from the left and right potentially ever coming together?
5: I get hope from going around the country, talking to people everywhere who are working class, who are completely don't care what their who their neighbors voted for, who are totally postpartisan. Partisanship is a completely elite phenomenon because elites make money off of it. And so I get a lot of hope talking to working class Americans because um, they have hope. And I think that the, but, but I guess, yeah, I still feel stupidly like, I don't know, I don't know how we, how we do it without, um, I still, I'm struggling to have the vision that you have, like to see past the current moment. So I feel a little bit like I'm still struggling to point out like to the media itself, like, hey, you guys are corrupt. Could you be a little (laughs) less Uh, corrupt? Working class people are human. Can you treat them better? You know, like I feel a little bit like I'm, but I feel super hopeful about America. I love this country. And I, I think that it's, it's people are getting better and better every day. Like I think that we've seen, a huge, huge revolution on the right in terms of how it thinks and talks about race and how it thinks and talks about things like police brutality very recently, criminal justice, stuff like that. So I get tons of hope from the unity I see Everywhere except in the elites
4: well let 's talk about hope. Yeah. I, I have something that I think could very easily explain some optimism for everybody. You used to be a woke journalist <laughs> and you 're no longer you're, you wrote a book against it, yeah, so uh, tell me like how, how do you how do you find yourself like how do you end up as a woke reporter and then one day have an unwokening and become anti woke
5: yeah, my deprogramming. It was like a bunch of things, you know, it was like very slow and then all at once. But I definitely had the Trump derangement syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like in the beginning, it was very hard for me to talk to, To, to I, I f- took it very personally that he won in that super <laughs> lame liberal way. And, um, it you know, it took me a while to be able to admit like, oh, that's a really good thing he did. Oh, that's a really good thing he did. But um, the my deprogramming, I think it started with hearing, learning about the deaths of despair. And and every night I would turn on CNN and see the very very people who we had abandoned who were literally killing themselves cuz they didn't see a future for themselves in this country kill, you know killing themselves being mocked on CNN being called racist in the New York Times like and I could, that sort of started to really like it was jarring to me like why are we why do we not have compassion for them and then the second thing I would say was um, I read this Yale study from 2018. Do you guys know about this study? No, you're no. Really, there's a lot of studies. From here. You're really gonna <laughs> yeah. love this I know one, I'm though. About. You do, right? Yeah.
1: Maybe.
5: Um, so uh, Yale did a study in 2018. What they found was there's a difference between how white liberals and white conservatives talk to black and yes, Latino. Yes, I remember the study.
1: <laughs> Great study. Oh yeah, top tier. And
5: um, it found that white liberals dumb down their vocabulary Incredible. when they're talking to blacks and Latinos and white conservatives do not and I remember reading that in 2018 and thinking to myself this implicates my entire worldview and I was not ready to deal with it and I put it aside but I had this moment where I was like this is disgusting and everything I think is caught up in that thing that makes you dumb down your language you assume a person of color is less educated than you is poorer than you and needs your help and needs your generosity and your beneficence, right? That move of like I instantly recoiled because i I recognized it. And then the third thing that really, I think was like the death of my Trump derangement syndrome was my rabbi is um just the best person that I know. He. He's the kind of person who like in the winter, he walks down the street and he sees a homeless person. He starts taking his clothes off and giving them his coat and his scarf and everything. He's just the most humble, generous person I know. And we were, you know, having a Shabbat meal once and, you know, Trump came up and he was like, oh, I love Trump. And I was like, excuse me? And he was like, (laughs) yeah, I love the guy. And I was like, you mean you voted for him, you know, holding your nose? And he was like. No, I love him. And it was like that. And that's what I tell people. Like, people often ask me, like, how can I convince people to not be woke anymore? And what I say is, like, you can't really change someone's mind with information. Our brains aren't wired that way. What you can do is you can be a person who is so humble and virtuous or strives to be virtuous, so clearly trying to be a good person that a person who disagrees with you can no longer say about everyone who holds your opinion. You're, they're racist, they're evil. But I
4: think that's, uh, uh, for liberals, it's a liberal perspective. I think conservatives (laughs) have a tendency to be swayed by facts and information. Not, not all of them, obviously. Uh uh Obviously there's very emotional Uh people. And I think the left has a tendency, a tendency to be swayed by feelings. It's why Ben Shapiro tweets, facts don't care about your feelings Mm -hmm. and gets 50,000 retweets and a million followers and everyone's cheering for him on the right. And on the left, they're very much driven by, you know, care and fairness to, to cite. Specifically, Jonathan Heights research, yes, you're familiar? Yes, 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 of course. Yeah. Conservatives uh, have all six moral foundations. The liberals have two.
2: But when Ben Shapiro <laughs> really? says, facts don't care yeah. about your feelings, he's kind of making an emotional
4: statement, you know?
5: Ooh. But, 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 but it's, 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 the point stands. <laughs>
4: and and the, the inverse is true. For the left, feelings don't care about your facts. But uh, uh, Jonathan Heights research found that uh, conservatives, when they take a moral foundations test, they have a balance of all these different moral foundations, which is it's it's a, what care, fairness, purity, authority, um, freedom. freedom. Yeah, and there's okay. one more. Uh, but
5: you're super anti-authoritarian.
4: Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, we're, I think I think I, I, I think the divide, the political divide, is it's obviously not left or right. Yeah. It's authoritarian versus anti-authoritarian. Oh, interesting. So if you're someone who uh, I think liberals have a tendency towards authoritarianism. I hate using the word liberal because it doesn't mean that, but whatever modern American leftism is because they're collectivist and collectivism is inherently Mm -hmm. authoritarian because if the collective, which Mm -hmm. is the authority decrees, you either follow suit or you're ostracized. So if you're someone who is driven by care Mm -hmm. and fairness, and that's it, you don't care about loyalty, purity, authority, Mm -hmm. or anything like that, or freedom, liberty is a, is a moral foundation. And if you don't have that, well, then you don't care if they're doing vaccine mandates. Let me, let me tell you something I, I think people really need to understand. The left and the right don't speak the same language. They come out right now in New York City and they say vaccine mandates work. Let me just ask you a very simple question. Do you think vaccine mandates work? No. Why not?
5: Well, I think they're unconstitutional.
4: Well, that, that's not a question of whether Oh, you they mean work. do they
5: work at preventing the I, spread? I, I didn't say
4: that. I what? said, do they work?
5: Do they work? And you, with no qualifications. No
4: qualifications. Do you think they work?
5: Do I think they work? I don't think they work. And why is that? Well, because of Omicron.
4: So this is really interesting because people on the left know this. They know New York is experiencing a massive Uh surge in cases. But when they say vaccine mandates work, they're not talking about preventing COVID. They're talking about forcing people to adhere to the collective, which is you Mm -hmm. must get the vaccine regardless of the outcome. Mm. On the right, they say vaccine mandates don't work, because covid is still spreading like crazy so that's a really interesting distinction between the two yeah. cultural okay, definitions of the word work right
5: yeah um um the the left today is also deeply meritocratic not not in the sense of a real meritocracy but in the sense of they're deeply careerist and deeply obsessed with credentials and with that's their, not meritocracy is it's it's, uh, it's okay so agree to disagree but
4: well it's authoritarianism it's uh look, g- oh,
5: getting a getting a getting
4: a college degree doesn't uh. prove you're a journalist.
5: But, but it's very want- individualist, like the desire to rise above the pack and tell everybody else what to do and become famous and become like that to me seems really individualist. Like No,
4: no, no. I mean, uh in North Korea you want to be a party member, in China you want to be a party member. You want to be a part of the collective at the highest ranks to prove your value to to the authority. Mm. Whereas uh on the right, mm. you te- have a tendency towards libertarianism, which is get off my property and right. leave me alone. Right. When, when someone says go to college and get a degree, they're not saying get an education. They're saying adhere to the right. cult, adhere to the authority. You get, it's remarkable to me. I meet so many people who are, are you know, I'm going to go to college and get a degree and then get a job. I'm like, what is that degree going to do for your right. job or what you want to do? Nothing. They, pe- they admit this. They say, it's a piece of paper that proves you've done something. Millennials, my entire life have said this when I'm like, what's the point of getting a college degree? Eh, it just proves you did it. That's authoritarianism. The adherence uh-huh. to the authority. Me, I've always been libertarian. I dropped out of high school. I said, "Screw college. I'm going to make my own way and decide for myself." And I don't care what you think, and you can't tell me what to do. Conversely, or or subsequently, I don't want to tell you what to do either. Just leave me alone. Those are the those are the big differences.
5: But isn't populism and libertarianism in tension with each other?
4: Mm, not necessarily. Why? Why, why? why do you think that?
5: Because libertarianism, to me, signifies like. Free well, trade and... But that's
4: big L libertarianism. Uh-huh, uh
5: uh-huh. you know, you're, 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 libertarian you're like a civil, libertari- civil libertarian. Yeah, it, yeah it's uh-huh. just,
4: a, do you have a tendency towards live and let live, uh-huh, or do you have uh-huh. a tendency towards do as you're told? Right,
5: what we should call liberalism except liberals. Exactly. Don't believe in that. Got
4: New it. York City, now St. Paul, uh, Minneapolis, they're, they're now enforcing a vaccine mandate. Cook County, the second biggest county in the country, vaccine mandate. And we're watching record COVID cases. So what is the point of the vaccine mandate? They repeatedly say it works. On TV, they say it works. In New York, they say it works. Well, it's not stopping COVID. Oh, but the vaccine mandates are getting people to drop down, bend the knee, and give in Mm -hmm. to your authority. Mm -hmm. In that that sense, it is working. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what they mean when they say it
6: works. Yeah, and they're finding people. And then I look at Luke and (laughs) I'm already, I I already have something lined up. I'm sure you do. Talking about what was happening in in Quebec with, with of course the premier there setting up a, a tax on the unvaccinated. He's calling it a health contribution, but in reality it's just theft. Uh, the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, also says that he supports this strong measure and most likely will be implementing uh, this kind of exploitative measure on the Canadian public as a collective. You better be a part of our gang or we're going to steal your money. That's essentially what's happening right now it's, in it's, Quebec and what's going to happen nationally throughout Canada in a few days.
4: Look at this article from the LA Times. Ugh. Mocking anti-vaxxers' deaths is ghoulish, yes, but necessary.
1: It is, yes.
4: No, no, it isn't. It convinces no one of anything. What is the purpose of mocking an anti-vaxxer's death? Seriously, it's to gloat so that people on your side can laugh and feel like they're part of the, the, the group. I call it a cult because the way cults work is convincing a person that everyone loves you, you're right, you're on the right side, and they're the crazy people. Don't listen to them. Don't talk to them.
5: Is that a photo of the author?
4: No, that's a photo of a woman who died yeah. uh, due to COVID who opposed mandates. Okay,
5: because I was going to say that that's like of that publication to use uh, the photo of the author would have been like clearly signaling what had happened here, which was like they knew that this piece was going to go viral for hate and they were putting a target on the back of the author. And they like this is something no edit. I'm saying this as an opinion editor. This piece got a ton of track, the kind of traffic like you dream of as an editor. Yep. I would never have let somebody write that because You just know that it's it's so ghoulish and it's just going, it's only going to get hate shares. And essentially it's like this this editor just did not have the back of that writer.
4: It's not just one editor. I mean, how many people are probably involved in the process of this getting approved? So if our goal is to make a better country and to help people, do you think it makes sense to go to someone whose wife just died of COVID and laugh and mock them and say, your wife's up? an effing moron what a dumb piece of garbage haha and then high five your friend is that going to convince them to to join you is that going to convince them to get vaccinated no
5: so actually no. interestingly people don't know this but um walmart has had a campaign to help vaccinate people and it has been incredibly successful in the two most vaccine hesitant populations african americans and trump voters as well as evangelicals big overlap there and when they asked them, like, why are you succeeding with these populations that nobody else can get vaccinated? Their answer was, "We're meeting people where they're at." Mm. And they had they 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 um, partnered with lo- local leaders who had a lot of trust in the community, sports teams, or pastors. Or um, there was one community of um, Latinos who were very vaccine hesitant, and they found a local publication in Spanish, and they had a press conference in Spanish, and then partnered with an immigration center. And so, you know, I I, I know. You you guys are probably ambivalent about this, but basically, what they found was that meeting people where they were at was the vaccine. Like that was how you. By, it was the opposite of no, a that, mandate. Opposite right. of shaming. Um, yeah, yeah. Going respect up, respecting yes. people's distrust yes. because yes. you earned their distrust by being you know you know uh, untrustworthy. Yeah. yeah. Do
4: you do you? Uh, is there, there is there is zero improvement in this country by mocking people. You you uh, you know who who have opposed mandates. If someone's wife dies of COVID. And you show up, you're wearing a suit at the funeral, and you walk over and you pat him on the shoulder and shake his hand and say, I'm I'm sorry for your loss. I'm here if you need anything. Here's my number. Seriously, give me a call. We'll grab a drink at any time. And then you can have those conversations. And then you can say, well, you know, look, man, I mean, you look at these numbers and people who are vaccinated are less likely to be hospitalized. You can have a real conversation. And the person might still disagree, but you're having a real conversation. Are you familiar with Daryl Davis? Yes, perfect example
5: god he's amazing
4: <laughs> he's a, he's the black jazz musician who said i just want to meet these these racists who hate me who never met me that was it he didn't have a plan to de-radicalize Klansmen. he just said i'm gonna go talk to him
5: he drove the children of a Klansman to see their father in jail every week for years and they were still <laughs> so racist amazing. i mean it took years for yeah. them to stop he's amazing mm.
4: yeah he just he, he was like well you know how are they going to know if they don't know and you got to talk to them and that's and that's exactly exactly it so it, it, it is tough though because we we have we have the data and we discuss it quite a bit people on the left traditionally do not follow people on the right and don't seek to engage with them people on the right are the inverse they constantly seek to engage with people on the left, and they consume news from uh, all, all, you know, different political spectra, uh, political outlets. In 2016, this is what Jack Dorsey said: Left journalists, liberal journalists, did not follow right-wing journalists, but right-wing journalists follow both right and left-wing yeah. journalists. So this is why a lot of people on the right weren't surprised that Trump won. We had, um I think it was Max Kaiser, uh, who's not a right-wing journalist or anything; he's a financial guy. He said, uh, it was him and Stacy They're you know, very, they have the orange pill podcast. You guys check it out. If you're interested in crypto, they were in Europe. I could be getting the story wrong, but the general, I, uh, I remember, it, uh, as they were in Europe and they were hearing all across the media that Trump could never win, that everyone hated him. And it was, it was a slam dunk for Hillary. And they flew back to the U S and landed in North Carolina and saw nothing but support for Trump signs everywhere. And they immediately said, Trump's going to win. But why was the media so disconnected? Because they don't follow anyone but themselves. So we see that still today. We actually pulled up, there's a website called ground.news, and you can put in someone's Twitter handle and see um, the the, uh, political bias of the outlets they interact with. When we pulled up left-wing personalities, it was like 80 to 100% left-wing. When you pull up moderate personalities, it's mixed. Uh When you pull up conservatives, it leans conservative with a little bit of left in there. Mm -hmm. But many uh, conservative personalities followed left-wing publications people on the left don't do the same thing
5: but again i i just want to make a, the point that like that sounds like a story about politics but it is also very much a story about class you yeah. know if, if these journalists lived in working class neighborhoods or knew any working class people they would not have been so shocked by trump's victory but they don't they live in these extremely affluent wealthy you know Hillary Clinton plus 20 districts and this is data has showed this a, a a political survey found that you know journalists 75% of journalists live not just in blue districts but in the most blue districts yep. looks like a story about about politics but is actually a story about class about how you know the Republican party became the party of the working class and the Democrats became the party of you know big tech Wall Street which gave more money to Biden than to Trump and then highly educated liberal elites
4: did you see this story in 2016 from Vox June 3rd, 2016, left-wing publication, Vox.com. Democrats are replacing yep. Republicans as the preferred party of the very wealthy. And that yep. is true today. And the neocon establishment conservatives, like the Lincoln Project, fled to support Democrats. And even after 2020, the Lincoln Project said, now we're going to go after Republicans in the Senate. And conservatives were like, why? We, th- we thought you were the party of Lincoln. You just opposed <laughs> Trump. No, they're establishment politicians. My favorite story, maybe you saw it, was during the George Floyd riots. There was a guy in LA who was cheering on the rioting, saying, Yeah, yeah, get it, go, go, until the rioters started coming to Beverly Hills. And then he tweets something like, No, don't come to my neighborhood. Why are you coming here? Go downtown. It was amazing to see the contempt and disdain for regular people as the riders were destroying the neighborhoods of the poor, and he cheered them on and then panicked. we got to be careful
2: that we don't get too excited about the the vindication as the the wealthy start to suffer, as their dollar gets closer and closer to the value of zero because the French Revolution. You just look at past revolutions where people rise up against the elite. It can go really bad really fast, and you don't know who's going to try and take power if if something like that were to happen. Oh, yeah. Rather than revel in, in in seeing them fall, maybe we can help them and and help them change their it's, behavior. It's not
4: about the wealthy; it's about the um. What? Who are the? You know these these the the, the nobles that would inter that would inbreed and then you know got Russian all nobles. Was it all Russians? Of? It was yeah, pretty much all Russians. of them. Yeah, and there was the that royal one, families. The, yeah, <laughs> there was one famous family where like the guy she was like, be
0: oh, be oh, oh, yeah. and
4: it was like his jaw was all messed okay. up. I'm like, that's how I view most of these people. <sighs> They 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 are the product of this um insular culture they've developed where they isolate themselves from regular people they come from old money they're extremely arrogant and disdainful and they think they're better than you and 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 I again uh I know people I've met people throughout, throughout my life who came from wealthy families who became yes go <laughs> became I'll very humble and they were like, I'm really, you know, pe- pe- I know some people who are wealthy, who are born into rich families, who would say, you know, I'm really careful to um, enter politics or anything like that because I've not experienced what most of the people have gone through. And so I don't want to assert myself over people online. That's the right way to do it, man.
2: So Tim was referring to uh, a very famous family called the Habsburgs since like 1273. And they were notoriously in- an inbreeding family and developed <laughs> this weird lip, ah. jaw deformity looking thing. So check out the Habsburg.
6: Or don't. Most though. monarchies, inbred, are, you most, most like monarchies are inbred.
2: Yeah, and they would do that because to maintain, keep wealth within the family. Yep. You know, you don't have to sell half your wealth to your, your son's wife if Influence. you're, if his yeah. wife is your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Or cousin.
1: Gross.
4: I don't know, I'm fairly optimistic when I, I see, when I see, look, the success that we have. Everybody who's a, yeah. who's a member at Timcast.com, everybody who supports us in Super Chats, we're growing, we're hiring, we're expanding, we're doing more every single day. So
2: as a news organization, how do we taking don't or like you were saying with subscription model we have a a core group of people that like what we do and i fortunately what you do journalist wise is rip on everybody that's messing up for the most part so maybe you don't have to target a type of person you know how like the new york times is going out of their way to
4: to supplant these well I, look i i just um i'm anti-authoritarian that's that that's about it so if a person is a working class person but they use their voice to try and force other people to bend the knee, I'm going to criticize them. Mm. For the most part though, I'm more concerned with the power structures themselves and the ideas, which is why in a lot of stories we we don't say the person's name or we'll specifically reference a person who did this instead of calling out someone individually. I don't care about an individual, I care about the structure and the system and the person. But there are some people who are so high profile we talk about them. It's 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 you yeah, know, nobody's perfect, right? It's it's not it's not a perfect uh yeah, there's no simple way to just ignore everybody. But there are a lot of people, uh, especially on YouTube and in, in the political space, who their whole career is insulting and targeting a single person.
2: It gets so old so fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: But you know, look, I'm optimistic. I see, the, I see the, the populist growth, the expansion, success, and I think the censorship may be bad. But I don't know. Rumble's doing really well. There's more systems on the rise. I don't think. You know, it's like all of these movies and stories and hero's journeys. Uh, all these comic books about a villain who wants to take over the world and they always fail. You cannot, as an individual, no single human is smart enough to seize control of everything, and they fail every time they try.
2: Oh yeah, and if they were to succeed, they'd be offed by the number two in command in a, in a ho- holy second, and then that guy would be offed by the number three, who would become the new. You saw it in the Roman Empire. That's why we don't aim for centralization of authority.
4: Yep, there will come a, a, a day where you know I walk into the room. And then everyone, you know, takes a, a rubber mallet and hits me in the back. And then Ian walks over and hits me. And <laughs> no! I say, I look up and I say, you too, Ian. The time has come. You too, Ian. Let me get my hat. That's two. All right, all right. But uh, until that day, we'll be like old. Uh, smash the like button. Subscribe I to this channel. You, go to TimCast.com. Be a member. We're going to have that member segment coming up at 11 p.m. But we're going to go to Super Chats right now and take your guys' questions and comments. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. All right. Let's see what we got here. Uh, Forlorn Vox says, you lads better stock up. They're about to push Vax mandates for truck drivers this Friday. Oof. Yeah. So that's why, um, you know, today I shouted out safeandreadymeals.com. Yes. Emergency food supplies. It's one of our sponsors. I almost, I I don't shout them out all that often because it's like, it's an emergency food bucket. But store shelves are running empty. Inflation is up 7%. It really feels like everything is, you know, getting worse. And if they vax mandate truckers... You ain't getting nothing.
1: I, I will say, we went to the store the other day, and we saw empty shelves. And I was like, I don't know if this is normal. I don't know if it's stock date, but I've never seen this before. And the other thing I would Where, mention, where was the store? That was right in Frederick. Wow. Yeah, right in my neighborhood. But I don't
5: get it. Truckers are alone in their trucks. I Why know. do they need a vaccine?
4: Authoritarianism. Yeah. It doesn't do anything with. other than say to the person, you do as you're told you or else. Do it.
1: Yeah, I was going to say though that there have been places where they've tried to put these vax mandates in place and they have had to walk them back. They yeah. did it at my dad's company because they were going to lose a significant percentage of their highly trained, you know, workers. They're like, oh, no, we can't do this. All right, I guess we have to walk it back. So I'm very optimistic that truck drivers are going to be exerting the pressure to get them to stop because this needs to end.
4: Here's a funny one Nolan Conway says, Hey, Tim, have Carl Benjamin on. I think the reason we're getting that comment is because your last name is unger Sargon, and Carl Benjamin goes by Sargon Avocado, or he used to.
5: yes yeah. I, I am the lesser Sargon. <laughs> oh, no,
4: well, not at all. You know, he's in the UK. Uh, Carl's a good friend. He's always welcome we to come have on the have show. together. Yo, Sargon yeah. be on fun. Sargon. Be awesome. I would love to get Carl and uh, um and I don't Count know Dancula. him. Is he?
5: What's his deal? Is he on Twitter? He's a no, little... he's
4: banned from
2: Twitter.
3: Yeah,
5: he's, banned. Yeah. <laughs> he's
4: pretty... Um,
2: cont- he's He was relatively controversial like three or four years ago mm-hmm. for getting banned for saying some off-color... Well, you could argue they're off-color comments on another platform yeah. or on another on another person's what? show. And then they came and they banned his channel. And
0: mm-hmm. it was
2: really, really scandalous.
4: John Chambers is a good idea. He says, you need an event January 22nd, as many of us are coming to DC for the January 23rd anti-mandate march.
1: Well, we we do have a really big sorry i wasn't sure if you were going to throw it to her but i was going to say we do have a really big show planned for that monday cuz people are going to be in town for that rally and that's kind of exciting so you guys Oh we do have a big show the planned 17th yes it's big. It's really big. I know you know what I'm talking I like about. about. That. I stuff like when I know what that. date it is. Yeah, it's gonna be great. It's gonna Maybe. Be great. It's yeah, okay. I know
6: day. what you're talking about. It's, it's alright. It's alright. Right. Well,
1: well, we should see. definitely
4: reach out to
6: the people at the event. Yeah, right?
1: that's a really good idea. I like that idea. I think right? I'm gonna Who's be
6: going? attending that event myself. Yeah, uh, I Dr. Have to Malone, down? Peter McCullough, The Weinsteins, there's a surprise celebrity guest as well that they're kind of you can tell him like say it's going to be big so uh i think robert kennedy junior as well i don't know if he's 100% confirmed but it's going to it's going to be a lot of people i'm well, going to be there definitely i what, want to what, be there for saturday? this event it's, it's a, saturday, a saturday. saturday absolutely so oh. that
4: that friday is the 22nd i wonder if um, any of you, any 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 of y'all who are going to be at that event um, you I, want to come on the show?
6: Let's get all three of them. Let's get yeah. McCullough. Let's get Weinstein. Let's get Malone. All three here. That would be incredible. And Robert Kennedy Jr. Let's set up extra cameras. That'd be huge. Boy, talk imagine. about it. <laughs> asking for trouble you on YouTube. But, but I'm, 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 I'm down. I'm down <laughs> yeah, for it. Absolutely, that'd be fantastic. Be super yeah. fun. Yeah.
1: But we'll, we'll
4: talk about mandates. We'll talk about policy, and then you know we'll we'll do. We can do a um a members only, maybe like a Rumble exclusive. Before or after the show, talking about other, other issues. It'd be fun yeah. to do. That'd be really great. So if, uh, if y'all are listening and y'all are down, um, I'll, I'll, I'll hit some of these people up. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, it'd be fun. Also, fun, fun. Weinstein, Weinstein. If you ever need it. Like Einstein. Weinstein. The smart Weinstein. guys are Weinsteins. Not
2: Weinstein, like Epstein. <laughs> that's what I said. Yeah, that's yeah, one that way that's to fair. remember. That's fair. Or or uh, was it like a Weinstein? He was big in the news We Jews got to be clear time.
5: what kind of Jews we are these <laughs> days. Yeah,
2: let's,
4: see.
5: let's be crystal clear. It
1: would be like an Epstein. It would be like a Weinstein. An Einstein. Yeah, I like that. I approve. That. That's nice. That's hard.
4: Well, well this it. is crazy. Andrew Kolasar says spin doctors have ousted their star bassist Mark White for refusing to get the jab. He's on Instagram, Mark B White. Also, check out my music. I love oh, the dude. Spin Doctors, man. Not At least in the 90s. name. Name more than one song.
2: Uh, Little Miss can't be wrong. Two Princes, oh, Jimmy, wow. uh, uh, C- Pocketful of Kryptonite. Dude, that album is awesome.
4: <laughs> Pocketful
2: of know. Kryptonite. Yeah, yeah. What's the one song
4: everyone knows from them? <laughs> Four thirty. <430. laughs> oh, what time is no, it? No. No. Uh,
2: oh. Little Miss can't <laughs> be wrong. Or it? Two Princes. Those two are the two huge hits. Yeah. Two
4: Princes. Yeah. yeah. Would you?
2: Yes, that you, yeah, that's that one. Yeah, that a few one. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> all right. That might be a little messy. Johnny around. California says Vice was cool back when, when all they did was hang out in Colombia <laughs> doing donkeys for less. Uh, Vice used to be fun. Yeah. You know, they would go they on the ground crazy. and explore weird Soon things bulletproof clothing, the sex shop in Japan, scopolamine. And now they're all just ultra woke tribalists. The big banks came in. No, that, that is what, it, yeah, so yeah. I was told by someone who was a higher, higher up at, uh, a Vice, the investors were concerned about negative press and cancel culture, so they told the executives, either you go woke and embrace feminism or we revolt. And so they did. And they were like, alright, that's what we'll do. And it was around, you know, 2014 or so brought so, uh, to you
6: by Bank of America mm-hmm.
4: brought
1: to you by
6: Wraith taser. Customs Firearm says Luke don't tase me bro they tased yeah <laughs> it was pretty funny it wasn't like a long taser it was like a, he surprised us with it too cuz we were there I didn't standing get tased, bro. and we were we were, he tased you, we you were, tased were filming me. and then out of nowhere he's like okay i'm going to teach you you know this stuff and he's like i came out of nowhere <laughs> <laughs> and he he didn't say oh, like hey you. get prepared we're going to taser you. Did, do like, you, do you, do you do you have any heart <laughs> conditions he was just a wild crazy guy who was super interesting and super... Fun and I wish uh, we would have released that video because it was just wild. And then, I, I, literally, me and Tim got got s- sat together. and We didn't know what was going on. He he, he liked surprises. This guy, <laughs> Tim, was sitting back back to back to me, and then he throws something, and we and then. And, he, and then he says, we're going to see who stays here longer. And I'm oh like, all right. <laughs> and, and then it was like five seconds. Yeah. And we were both
4: like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yep, yep. It was some I like serious that. tear oh, gas, man.
6: which is.
4: All right. But but Brett love. S says, congrats to Tim Pool's Beanie for making it into iTunes. Number one, hip hop yeah. song, controlled by Bryson Gray featuring Anomaly. And then he says something I can't read because it's in Polish. Nazdrowie.
6: Nazdrowie. Oh yeah. Nazdrowie. How do you say that? What does that mean? Uh, you don't want to know. Okay, It's, really gotcha. bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, whoa. Like... He's lying. <laughs> Luke's lying. Luke's lying. <laughs> He's making it up. Thank you for I, your I am not a good liar.
4: It says, keep it up, guys. That's what it means. Thank uh, you, sir. I'm, maybe.
6: How do you know? <laughs> well, yeah. You don't know we Polish. Don't know. True. I'm, I'm well, Ian, can it right Google now. translate. I'm okay. translating it right no, now. Nozdrowia. How do you spell that?
1: Don't tell them. Don't tell them. That's bad. I don't
4: know how to spell it. Hunter says, hi, Tim slight correction to something said the other day with Brandon. You did not need a license in Texas to buy a handgun in Texas before constitutional carry just to carry one in public. Uh, oh, really? I, I read somewhere that you need to take a handgun course. You no. have to get like a special training know. or something. Yeah. You know, along those lines, I learned uh, not,
2: I, I've been talking a lot about student loans and compound interest and how students are getting rocked by it. Most student loans, I found this out, someone messaged me on Twitter, thank you for sending me this, are not compoundly interested. They're just mm-hmm. standard interest. I didn't know that, but that's most student loans are standard interest and not compound. Grant
4: Thompson, he's got some words for you. He says, this woman didn't watch the trial. Only the prosecution stated that he died of strangulation, despite him having a lethal drug dose, an enlarged heart, COVID-19, and O2-saturated blood, e.g. he could breathe. Mm.
5: Well, my understanding from having watched the trial was that the... Based on his—not to speak ill of the dead—but his habitual drug use, that, that that the amount that he had ingested beforehand would not have been enough to cause cardiac ah. arrest, and that the cardiac arrest was caused by the strangulation, and that that some part of that was not disputed by the prosecution. But thank you for the corrections. Did
4: didn't he have a lethal dose of fentanyl?
5: I thought like he did three yeah. times
2: lethal dose he for sure had an intoxicative dose. Yeah, but yeah. They,
5: they 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 the the the, the uh, prosecution stipulated that based on the level of his habitual. Use, which they got from one of the witnesses who was his girlfriend, and his saw he was a very big man, yeah. Um, and his, you know, his level of mu- muscularity and his workout, etc. That that would not have been lethal. I'll him. tell you
4: my thoughts right away. You shouldn't go to prison for doing drugs. You shouldn't. Uh, th- none of this should have happened over a counterfeit bill. Yeah. But he was behind the wheel of a car while chewing a speedball. Yeah. And this is what got him pulled out and detained. And then, if you watch the body camera footage, he's resisting arrest. He the re-
5: first time. The first. The. Oh, you the, mean when he was arrested? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah.
4: sitting cool. in the SUV, chewing yeah. on a yes, speedball yes, behind the wheel of a yes, car. Yes. And and you know I've I've often like I've argued the libertarian point of like people should be allowed to do drugs. Everyone comes back with dude is behind the wheel of a car, an SUV no, no less, and I'm like that's eh, a good point, man. Like I'm all for allowing people to do whatever recreational drugs they want, but you can't drive if you're doing it. And so the cops pulled him out to detain him. When they brought him to the police SUV, he kicked his way out of the car screaming, put me on the ground, put me on the ground, put me on the ground three times. And they did. Whether or not that warrants four people going to prison for the rest of their lives, I honestly don't think so. Well, I do was, think there's fault. But. I
5: mean, when you watch the video, all of that could be true. He could have even put his knee on his neck for until he was subdued. I think the problem was... He was subdued and he kept his knee on his neck for five minutes after he was no longer moving. That's like, true. And it's like, what is going through your head at that point when this person is saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, and then totally passed out under your knee? Like, at what point do you have criminal liability for someone's life?
4: But is it life in prison or is it like manslaughter in a few years, you know? I mean... Like, how, how is justice served by four people, the three rookie cops who were just who showed up confused having no idea what was going on now all going to prison for the rest of their lives
3: you know, I, I don't, okay I don't...
5: so i don't i as a person who doesn't be, you know i'm sort of very ambivalent about the carceral state i hear that point at the same time like i think we have to say that human life is infinitely precious and when you participate in something that steals one as a society we have to have a way to say like y- you were there to serve and protect and you stole a life and and it was like the look on their face okay i'm like a lefty so of course like we'll come back to the compassion and the feeling or whatever but the looks on their their imperviousness to his suffering to the, to the point where they allowed him to literally die like they stole his life when at any moment during those nine minutes someone could have intervened and they didn't let anybody intervene it, it's a, know, it's, yeah. it's it's
4: it's this is the problem i have with authoritarianism and collectivism yeah. those three cops not chauvin were doing as they were told I don't know if they deserve to go to life in prison because they were just doofy and just sitting there confused and not. But have they
5: been sentenced to life in prison?
4: Well, they're 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 getting they're all getting I think federal civil rights charges. So okay, maybe maybe it's a little hyperbolic. Yeah, I don't think
5: they're going to get life in prison. But I think they're going to
4: get decades. I mean, like Chauvin's never getting out.
5: I don't know. Is a civil rights abuse? I don't know what the sentence for that is, but it's not murder.
4: They're they're all charged with murder, aren't they? Am I wrong about that? I'm pretty sure they're all going to get a murder charge and then a federal charge on top. And then they're probably going to get a state prison sentence and then transfer to a federal prison afterwards. Like, I think the whole prison system is busted up. And so, yeah. you know, my, my problem with all of this is that the Black Lives Matter groups say, you know, abolish prisons, abolish police. And then the moment they get yeah. a court victory, they cheer yeah. and say, lock yeah. them up.
5: I know. I don't want to be one of those I'm people. like, uh.
4: you know, I think about human life and the preciousness. I,
2: I get that's a that's a risky path to go down because like stealing someone's life and doing something that might create a situation where it's harder for them to survive are very different like if if my if living my most just life means that there's no food for those people i didn't steal life from them they're just going to starve because i was the one that beat the system no but in that
5: case your life is infinitely precious as well anything you do to keep yourself alive i think is consistent with that principle
4: there's a lot of th- th- this. I mean, in the Torah, Good.
5: you have to s- save yourself before you save others. That's. Mm.
4: I think one of the problems I see with the whole Chauvin thing, and, and I don't want to go too long on this because it's, such an, it's like an old issue and we've got a lot of questions. But when the, the the prosecutor's defense, the prosecution's defense said, according to protocol, Chauvin was entitled to use more force than he did use. Mm-hmm. That showed restraint on the but part he, of Chauvin, but he,
5: all of his bosses who had trained him disputed that so the this was the the thing that was so amazing to me about this trial and i really i agree you know i'm sure actually i'm sure your viewers are dying to hear what you what you think about it but to me it seemed like it was a trial about the nature of policing and it was the prosecution that had an optimistic view of policing in america and said this is not what it means to be a cop to be a cop is an honorable position and they brought on cops who broke the blue wall for the first time to say this is not what we were trained to do and it was the defense who had this pessimistic, ugly. of what it means to be a police officer who are like, no, this was just like policing, you know, as it's supposed to be. But, so
4: do you think that what we got was making an example of someone? No. The, 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 I mean, those three those three other cops who didn't have their knee on the neck, should they be charged for this?
5: Not for murder, no. But Not they're all for being murder. charged for it. Yeah, so that would be, I think, an overstatement. But um... Chauvin
4: showed up late. He showed up after everything had already happened and they said, we need help subduing this guy. And then he walked over and he he put him in the, in the restraint where... Uh, it's, it's so complicated to rehash, so maybe we shouldn't. But yeah. it wasn't just that his knee was on his neck for nine minutes. That was debunked in the trial. His knee was on the back and the neck back and forth or for like a certain amount of time. That doesn't change the fact that he could have stopped at any moment and provided medical treatment or anything. So that argument I understand. But I think we just – what we have right now in our judicial system is retribution to, to uh, placate rioters. And that's what we've been getting across the board. That's why the Kyle Rittenhouse trial was so monumentous for a lot of people.
5: OK, so I see it a little bit differently And this. OK, leaving Floyd aside, to me, that week where we had the Rittenhouse trial come in, verdict come in, and then the Ahmad Arbery trial come in. Which was wrong. What they did.
4: No, the, 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 the conviction, the sentencing was oh, all wrong. Oh, really? The guy who filmed it, who had nothing to do with the two McMichaels, is no, going to prison for No, what about the
5: McMichaels? His...
4: So that's, that's, that's a whole philosophical debate. I mean, if the police come to your house and say, we need you to help stop this guy, he's a burglar, uh-huh. burglary suspect, he's a felon, and then you see the guy running down the street after your neighbor says he broke into his house, or he was seen trespassing in the house, which makes him a felony burglary suspect, some people are gonna say, okay, this is the guy the cops were looking for, we're gonna go stop him. There's what a, do you think? Uh, I think you shouldn't get in your truck and go chase a guy down, you should call the cops. But it's a, it's not an issue about what I think. It's an issue of do these guys deserve life in prison? After the these are some you know look. I'm not trying to be mean, but dumb yokel guys in their community that has been plagued by burglaries. They, the burglaries were so intense that a gun had been stolen from one of I believe one of their trucks only three weeks prior. So there was a fear that whoever the suspect was was armed. The neighbor had just seen this guy enter his property in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. illegally. Uh, it's, it's, it's burglary when you enter a property in this jurisdiction. And then the police go door to door and say, this is the guy we're looking for. And then one day these guys are like, that's him! The guy the cops are looking for who's been terrorizing the neighborhood. So the younger McMichael grabs a shotgun. They flank the guy. Ahmed Arbery is running towards them. He could have run through the grass. He could have done a lot of things. Granted, if someone pulls a gun on me, I might be like, I'm going to subdue them too. Arbery goes around the truck and then grabs the shotgun from Travis McMichael and fights for it. The gun goes off in the struggle, killing Ahmed Arbery. Now, you don't have an argument about whether they were justified in in trying to do a citizen's arrest based on the law. And that's where the real question came up in the conviction. But look at what happened to the guy who followed behind. A guy saw what was going on, saw them running after chasing after him in the car. And he said, I'm going to film this. And because he filmed it, the criminal trial happened in the first place. So they're putting this guy in prison for the rest of his life. The whole thing is busted and broken and it was just to placate rioters.
5: Okay. So I see it a little bit differently. And it's funny because I, so the thing that I thought was so interesting was I, I think he was lynched. I think they chased him down and killed him because he, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have made the mistake about who it was if he wasn't black. And what, what, what,
4: what mistake did they make? That was the guy the police said they were looking for. He's on security camera footage illegally but he entering were, property. he had
5: not stolen anything. But
4: that's not what makes you a felony burglary suspect, right? So stuff had gone missing. A gun had gotten stolen. Power tools had been stolen. But that night prior—
5: So the police said, we're looking for this guy. But he had yes. not actually stolen anything from the property that he had entered, which was like this construction site, essentially. But, but, but that
4: doesn't—that's not relevant to the case. The prosecution even said he was mm-hmm. a felony burglary suspect. So this is a mistake I made, and we actually had a couple of lawyers on. I said, look, a guy who trespasses shouldn't be chased down and then you know, confront him. And I think it was Andrew Branca who said, no, he was a felony burglary suspect, irrespective to whether or not someone saw him on camera in a building. This, mm-hmm. there, there was a string of burglaries throughout the neighborhood. He was the suspect. That's what the police told the McMichaels. So they said, that's the guy the cops are looking for. And they explained that their intention was to stop him. If you watch the video... They pull in front of him. Yeah. They don't chase him down. Yeah. And Arber- Ahmed Arbery runs towards them, runs towards them, and goes around the right side of the truck, and then flanks left and grabs the shotgun. Well,
5: because they were aiming it. At him. I mean, no, they were he, trying to stop it. Well, we
4: can't see that. We we can't see if Travis McMichael actually aimed the shotgun at Ahmed Arbery. What we can't see is he turns right around the truck and then turns left and grabs. And then the next thing you see is they're fighting over right, the shotgun. but if people
5: are trying to you know arrest you, and they have a gun. It's a reasonable thing to. But I, to me, the, 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 the thing, the point I wanted to make is that the Rittenhouse trial was so disgustingly politicized and got so much attention by liberals who were trying to cast, um, not just Kyle Rittenhouse, but anyone who's defended him as white supremacists, right? They were even, they tried so hard to give the impression that he had killed black people, right? This yeah. actually got misreported in but one in outlet. Book. Yes. It was in a book. It's in a book. That he killed yep. three black people. But yeah. they, even on the like more legitimate outlets, what they did was they would say, you know, he, he shot three people and killed two at a Black Lives Matter rally, right, to yeah. try to give the impression, even if they weren't outright saying it. And it was so disgustingly politicized in that way. And I met so many liberals who truly believed that he had shot black people. And when I would say, no, he shot a pedophile— um, a domestic abuser and a guy who punched his grandmother earlier that week, they would be like, Oh, I'm not following it closely. I'm not following it closely. And I'm like, Oh, you're following it closely enough to get it wrong, right? But then when the Ahmad Arbery verdict came in, I was watching Fox News all day and they were cheering that verdict. And, and every conservative I know was saying like, those men got what they deserved. They chased that boy down and, and because they're cowards, but the, well, okay. No, no, no. no
4: the, I want to, I, I want, I, I really want, sorry to interrupt, but I want to stress this conservatives, these people, all of them who spoke out and cheered on that verdict are cowards who are too scared to speak out. When the George Floyd thing happened on Mm -hmm. principle, many people on the right were like, that's clearly wrong. We can see his knee on his neck. And then when the body camera footage came out and more, more in context came out, a lot of people on the right were like, well, I was wrong about that. For me to see everything we covered in the Ahmed Arbery case, which is not as, it's not clear cut. It, the, the media was reporting it just like written out that it was a lynching that white guys white guys chased down a jogger. This guy was not a jogger. That is a lie. And people on the right gleefully were like, "See, this proves the system works because they're cowards and they're scared. They're still scared. They will still pedal the line for the left, but they want to do it at the speed limit." That's the difference. <laughs> that, that's the difference between the right and the left for the most part. I I took a look at uh, I covered the Ahmed Arbery story. And we had a guy in the studio screaming at me, calling me racist because I dared say any of this stuff. But I don't care what he thinks. I don't care what Tulsi Gabbard thinks because she called it the right verdict. I don't care what Fox News says. They are all wrong. Mm-hmm. When it came down to the conviction on Ahmed Arbery, what happened was the prosecutor said there there's a, a citizen's arrest law that says you are ar- allowed to, a, to perform, perform a citizen's arrest if you have probable cause and you witnessed a crime take place. However, if it's a felony, you need only probable cause. A reasonable person concludes if there is a felony suspect, you need not have witnessed the crime. But the prosecutor argued, no, it's one it's one provision. Therefore, regardless of whether, whether or not it's a felony, you had to have witnessed it. On that instruction from the judge, mm-hmm. the jury said, well, in that case, they're guilty. However, if you actually read the law, it says if someone is trying to citizens arrest a felony suspect, they don't need to have witnessed the crime. In which case, the McMichaels are stupid, but they were genuinely chasing down a felony suspect as they were informed by the police. But did they
5: know that law, or does it not matter?
4: I don't think they knew much about the law at all, other than the police said, we're looking for this guy, and they said, we're going to stop him, and they were concerned he was the guy who had stolen the gun from their truck. So if someone steals a gun from your truck, the gun is missing, you have reported it missing, and then you're told by the cops, we think that's the guy who did it, are you going to show up unarmed? No, definitely not. So what ends up happening is... All I, all I, you know, really need to say. Oh, well, well what should we read more? Otherwise, we'll just keep keep going. The fact that the guy who filmed it, which allowed the court case to happen, got life in prison, and they're cheering for it, just says to me: y- you need only see that point, and then you need to then question the rest of the case. Mm-hmm. This guy got in his car and said, "I'm going to film this," and that's all he did. And they said, "We're going to charge you with murder now." And he was like, "But I didn't do anything." We don't care. We want you to rotten suffer because we're scared of riots. That's the same thing with Mick Michaels. They're doofy, dopey yokel guys who were told by the cops, this is the burglary suspect. They were stupid for doing it, but I don't think they lynched anybody. I don't think they were intentionally trying to cause harm, and sending them to prison for the rest of their lives does not serve justice. But people don't, they don't care. They want to feel good. They want to feel that like the system works. Fox News doesn't want to be perceived as racist. So when they cheer for Kyle Rittenhouse, they get scared that too many people are gonna be like, why are you cheering for this guy? They got their victory. So then they come out and they can, they can say, see, Ahmed Arbery, that case was ruled correctly. And then we sit down with lawyers and they're like, look at the facts. And I'm like, wow, that was wrong. So anyway, we'll keep going. So I'll <laughs> read some more super chats and, and, you know, cause otherwise we're gonna go too long. Tara says, Tim, calories in, calories out has been debunked. Please watch watch Fat Fiction on YouTube. It's very eye-opening into how calories from sugar is dangerous. Mm. I believe you are correct. Yes. Uh, I'm not a nutritionist, but when I say you can't gain weight if you don't eat the calories, I'm still pretty sure that's a fact. Yeah. You can't gain weight by just breathing air. Um, So if you are not consuming calories, you can't gain weight. But I think, you know, I hear people like Neil deGrasse Tyson say calories in, calories out, and I'm like, that's not true, man. I cut out sugar, just sugar, And I would, like, eat tons of salami, and I'm losing weight.
2: Yeah, a calorie is a heat, a measurement of heat that's produced when your body digests a piece of food. So you get a lot of nutrition with specific foods that are then the foods broken down. There might be the same amount of heat produced with, like, a piece of sugar, but all that nutrition is there with the broccoli.
6: Also, the sugar industry, absolutely very huge, Mm -hmm. very corrupt, and has caused a lot of horrible things in our society by buying off regulators and government bureaucrats. Brian Doyce says Great
4: guest Really poignant conversation Tonight Thanks Timcast peeps I agree I think this has actually Been yeah. a fantastic conversation <laughs> About you. about everything It's wonderful uh, Christina H says I'd love to see Anomaly And or Bryson Gray On your show Happy Wednesday Love y'all I'd like to see them both On the show yeah. That'd be fun Yeah that
1: would be fun We
4: could actually What if we had them On a Friday And they performed The song where they thought. Mentioned my
1: beanie Yeah that <laughs> was <laughs> kind of my thought It's
4: it's flattery Flattery will get you
2: Everything I, Literally
1: everything yeah
2: Do you have a copy Of your book by any chance did you bring one I no, sure Okay,
1: doesn't. I would
2: love to have you and Chloe Valderate you, do you know do Chloe Valderate I'm
5: actually on the board of her theory of enchantment um, oh yeah, yeah she's, amazing. she's great you guys she's amazing. have a very
4: cool vibe
5: amazing. Yeah. yeah we're very close we're great good friends awesome
4: Rocky says, "Ian, I love you, man, but I cannot listen to you talk about sugar being a toxin, but actively pursue psychedelics. No one has died from a bad cake trip. That's that's that's, that's not, wrong. That's not <laughs> true. That's not true. That is not true. Heart disease Diabetes. and come on, choking. Yeah. You
2: gotta Please. be careful." Um, hey, all things in moderation. I'm not saying don't ever touch sucrose, but treat it like a, like a powerful drug. If you, Cause it can, it makes you hunger for it. It's, an, it's a different kind of addiction, not where you think like, I want that. It's just like, you're drawn towards it. Mm-hmm. So you gotta watch out for that stuff. And same thing with psychedelics or any kind of drug. If you're ever gonna experiment with any of that, uh, th- be reasonable, you know, and, and, and research it. I'm not advocating for that kind of thing, but you gotta, small doses, man, with food or
4: with drug or with any kind of thing. Yeah silently in atlanta says omg luke you forgot the other part of the kelly osborne latino gaffe story rosie perez quit after being forced by show execs to apologize for reacting to the racist gaffe abc forced latina to
6: apologize for being visibly offended by wow. the guest oh my. <laughs> yikes yeah i, I didn't remember I a lot of it. it it was in 2015 yeah. but i think it's it's relevant i just kind of vaguely remembered it and that's why i looked it up and but uh, yeah it gets deeper and crazier
4: Hillary Wallace says, calories in, calories out absolutely works. It's the law of thermodynamics. Follow the science. Um that's a, that, that's, that's not completely- Follow Fauci. That, that's not completely right. I will <laughs> yeah. say, yeah, he's the science. <laughs> I will say, it's really hard to accurately measure calories out. Mm. It's easier to measure calories in, but even that's wrong. Yeah. Casey Neistat did a great video where he bought food around New York and then got it calorie tested mm-hmm. and found that like Subway actually had less calories than they advertised and mm. most foods had more, or yeah. like many of them did, which is really fascinating. What I will say is, I, in my personal opinion, based on how I've eaten, I think everybody's different. When I eat grains and sugars, I'm miserable. Yeah, I, I, I have no energy. I feel just bad. When I cut that stuff out and I stick to fats, meats, cheeses, and veggies, I feel like a million bucks. So over the past several months, I've, I've one thing I've really noticed is, in the mornings, seven months ago, I'd wake up. I'd have my coffee. I'd put sugary creamer in it with, I'd I'd put a little bit of creamer and then some, you know, like flavored creamer. Cause I'm like, not too much sugar. I'm trying to be careful, but still, you know, some sugar in it. And then I would drink that. And then as soon as I'd finish my morning segment, I'd have breakfast. I'd have like a piece of bread and some eggs. And I'm like, I'm having a good breakfast here. Just like a little piece of toast and some eggs and bacon. And then within few, within 40 minutes to an hour, I'd start getting tired and right. drained and I'd be like, oh man, I need to get something to drink or do something. And then I would get another, you know, like another coffee or something. When I stopped having all the sugars, now for breakfast, I don't eat anything. I just have coffee with heavy cream and nothing else. You're
1: doing intermittent fasting too. I, well, I think the heavy Time. cream negates that. Yeah.
4: But I never get tired. There's, there's no point where I get sluggish or anything like that. Mm. I'm sustained throughout the day. So I do all of my morning segments without eating anything. And then as soon as I finish, I'll have a meal. So today, what did we do? We did uh, keto hot dogs. We did Portillo's famous hot dogs. And we made buns with almond flour and egg. Yeah. Amazing. Nice. Grilled onions. Oh. And uh, I feel great. I don't get tired. I don't get sluggish. And then over the past few months, there have been cheat days where, like, it's the weekend. We're all going out to eat. Everyone's getting dessert. And I'm like... One time I can have, you know, a small piece of this cheesecake. It's no big deal. And the next day I'm just like,
5: oh. Wait, can you drink on keto? Can you have beer? Can you have
1: like liquors? (gasps) Very low in carbs. I
4: think you can have liquors, but you can't have beer. Yeah, no beer. I don't drink anyway though. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, Yeah.
1: Has that always been true?
4: Not when I was like 18 to 22. I drank too much. But I don't really drink. I just don't get anything from it. Over the holidays, I had maybe like Maybe that, that month between November and December, 10 drinks, you know? Wow. Because I'm like, people are You're drinking, they're having wine, and we had Trump champagne. And it was hilarious, and so I partake. <laughs> Maybe 10's a little, actually, uh, a little much. No, no, I think that's right, because I had a couple beers, too. Yeah. All right, well, let's read a couple more, because I don't want to go uh, uh, too long. And Even we kind of did go too long, so I apologize <laughs> for that. All right. What do we got here? We got We got a whole bunch of super chats. All right. J.D.M.C. says Rodney King happened just before Bush Sr. lost election for second term. Democrat old bag of tricks. Uh, I don't know about that. That's a conspiracy theory I've never heard. Mm. Yeah, I me mean, neither. Clinton staged or the Democrats <laughs> wanted the L.A. riots to happen or something. Uh, uh, <laughs> no. Old school. I don't know. That yeah. would No, the riots would actually help the Republican. <laughs>
1: hmm.
4: You know? No idea. So what's the backfire? I don't know. Yeah, A lot of people are saying, uh, can't wait to see Anomaly on the show. Yeah, that'll be cool. Oh
1: working on that
4: all right let's see a lot of people are commenting on the george floyd thing which i i, I know if i bring up we'll just rehash again and i don't I, you know it's you know, want to
3: sorry
4: do guys. it for the bonus section yeah we, we can well i mean it's just me jdmc says ian has been more awesome since he came back from vacation love you bro true it's fact. almost like something happened to ian
2: yeah like i fell asleep on the plane when yeah. i woke up <laughs> yeah, something something new he woke up in a uh, uh,
4: parallel universe or
2: whatever yeah Yeah. it went through a time space i actually did microdose psilocybin over the break and it was incredible i i spent about 10 days in ohio with my family and then i went out to washington state out to the mountains and was able to just have a just a meditative amazing amazing communication experience with a, a great friend of mine out there and um, I highly, I highly recommend getting some time away from a computer screen if you mm-hmm. can. I think I
6: tweeted a photo of, of you in, in nature. I don't know if this is, this is that's you me. exactly, <laughs> <by> <laughs> I don't <laughs> think that's me. <laughs> totally. That's a yeah. Beautiful picture. I, 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 I it. tweeted it. Thanks. I love it. All right. We'll do one more
4: real, real quick. Mr. Trench trucker says, as a trucker desperately trying to deliver food, I will not comply. Mm. Try to stop my truck. I dare you. Oh boy. Well, it's be spicy. responsible with your truck. Yes. Be a good law abiding truck driver, but stand up for what you believe in. And I think, you know, Nonviolence of disobedience is the way we we can push for change while not hurting other people, right? All right. Let's see. Here's here's one more. Mavis says, Tim, you're right about unhealthy image of body weight. I got down to a healthy weight with keto and my coworkers thought I was underweight when I wasn't. Yep. Oh, yeah. My friends, if you haven't already smashed that like button, subscribe to this channel, share it with your friends. Take that URL, post it wherever you can. Or if you're listening on the podcast, we're on all, all, all podcast platforms. Listen to us there. Tell your friends about it. Go to timcast.com. Click sign up we're going to have a members only segment coming up around 11 p.m. is when we post it so you not want to you'll, you will not want to miss that uh you can follow us everywhere timcast irl follow us on instagram for all of our clips you can follow me on instagram at timcast uh, Badia, do you want to shout anything out? Do you have social media?
5: Oh, boy. Um, I am at Bunger Sargon on Twitter. And you can find – I work at Newsweek. Uh, I try to uh, platform working-class voices and voices from across the political spectrum. So you can find those op-eds at Newsweek.com. And uh, you can find my book at Amazon or Encounter.com. Bad News, How Woke Media is Undermining Democracy. Thanks so much, Tim.
4: And I'll just say one real quick thing, too newsweek for like a mainstream corporate press wonderful you you'd publish a lot of dissenting opinions yeah. you've got populist yeah. right-wing people conservatives left yeah. i yeah. think it's fantastic i saw a newsweek
2: article where they said that covid lives in fat cells it was a oh. story out of china oh. they had to recall all this uh ice cream because they had tested animal fat, about it fat it's and it's like <laughs> newsweek printed it and then <laughs> just like where where did that
6: information go if it's living in animal fat <laughs> i <don't know. laughs> But uh, thank you so much for coming on. It was great thank being you. able to have a civil discussion. I know we don't see things eye to eye, but I think we could identify the problems. I think we definitely agree on yeah. that. And it was great being able to understand your perspective, where you're thank coming you. from, and being able to have a civil discussion. So thank you so much for having that. I have my own kind of discussions and debates and conversations on wearechange.org. I just had a very important video on the way that I think things are run in context to, of course, Epstein, a USA Today article. I did a video about that exclusively on LukeUncensored.com. Hope to see some of you guys there. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, thank you guys for uh, participating in the chat as well. Oh, yeah, that was great.
2: Uh, you can follow me at Gotcha. Good to see you. Have a nice night, guys. See you later.
1: I'm gonna take a moment because this is very important to me I don't usually ask for much time but I had a gift sent to me that is the most one of the most beautiful things I think I've ever seen. She made this portrait of my cat some of you guys are familiar with dip and dot um, and it is amazing it's opalescent it is made with glass and it has little whiskers on it that move when you touch them little hairs. Uh, her name is Lori K. Farr, and she's at LKF Designs on Instagram. If you guys like to follow her, she does customized pet portraits, just like Dip. Um, absolutely amazing. I'm so touched. It's such a generous gift. She also did one of Bucko. She did one of, uh, Luke's dog, and some of the chickens as well. So I am just amazed by the gravity of this gift. She also made me these earrings, and I'm gonna definitely work with her in the future. Yeah. And you guys may follow me. On Twitter at Lids.
6: Thank you, Lori. Uh, they got a mosaic of Atlas. It looks incredible. It's There's so a mosaic cool. for you, yeah, you too. Uh, yes. Down there, Roberto. Yes. Yes. So, uh, Roberto's it, our wrist bucko, yeah. we, we, it, And you could see the mosaic and uh, the unraveling on the vlog, yes. which was just released today that yes. I was in. Yeah.
1: So cool.
4: Alright, everybody. We will see you at TimCast.com. Thanks for hanging out.
1: Bye, guys.